Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things that culture doesn't want to talk about that will scare you. All right, Nathan. Well, we are here live from... At the Truth Conference at the Noblesville campus of Life Church here on Sunday afternoon. We're waiting for... Pastor Lucas Miles to get here. It's going to be an amazing time. We're going to have him on the podcast too a little bit. Uh, I'm but excited about that. What's the Truth Conference, Nathan? Well, the Truth Conference is Life Church's uh, response to the kind of bullpucky that the <laughs> my my mother came by to yell at me about saying a different word. You can't say and, bull. You yeah. can't wait. Hold on a second. Let me uh, let me get the. So you can't say bull. No, no, I didn't say that word. I said the crap word. She, listen, <laughs> bleeping me. People are going to use it and I'm not. Anyway, no, I decided to tone it down, even a level below the toned down uh, thing and say bullpucky. But our young people are getting shoveled bullpucky. That's a and bunch of malarkey. It is. It is a bunch of malarkey, Joe. Thank you. And, and so we wanted to have a response to that. And to answer some of the questions that young people were really asking from a biblical perspective and tell them things that they are not going to hear in their schools, most likely. And a lot of times, even parents aren't telling them. So That's good. Well, and we had a great kickoff to the conference last night. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. And we had a Ask the Pastors Anything panel. We're going to let students come out as they're coming into the conference we're going to let students ask whatever question they might want to ask so that's going to be uh it's going to be fun to hear we don't know what questions are going to come up but if there's students that have questions they want to ask about faith about politics about culture about anything they can come up to the microphone and they can ask a question yes but you are you are uh you know feeling the pressure at this moment that's can right you handle it can you handle the pressure that's right all right, we got our first. We got a first question. All right, come on up, man. Put on the headphones. Talking to that microphone right there. Pull that microphone up to your. Okay, pull that right microphone up to, up to your. Yeah, up to your face. Yep. All right, All right. hey, tell. Okay, tell us your name. Where what you're from? You go to. Yep. Uh, Kieran Tucker, and I go to Fisher's campus. Okay. What's your question, Kieran? I don't have a question. Pastor Tina made me come up. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Wow. Did you just want to get pictures? I, 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 I totally get that she did that to you. Are you sure you don't have a question? Not at the moment. No. If, if you have a question, we want you to bring it back. Hey, us. can I ask you a question, Kieran? Yeah. Okay, what is your favorite thing about growing up in 2022? Uh, well, I'm in high school right now as a freshman, and I appreciate all the new opportunities I get in high school. So that's probably the thing I like most about 2022. Cool. Oh, what, cool. what kind of opportunities? Uh, like more classes you can take and different electives. Cool. More friends you can make. Nice. Yeah, very awesome. Good. Well, good deal, man. Very good, man. Well, thanks for coming on to Jesus, Sex, and Politics and uh, answering our questions. Uh, you're not going to want to... I'm looking for some of the questions we were given last okay. night that we never actually got to. That's good. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, I can't find them. And, well... Uh, yeah, so I'll find it here. Hang on. Cool. Hey, uh... Hey, Micah, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, how's that burn stuff working for you? Because you were supposed to be losing weight. You started to have, you, you're going backwards, and I felt so bad for you. I felt like I needed to give you something, try and help you in the right direction. Kieran, this is uh, Pastor Nathan trying to talk smack right now. Yes. You're not that good at that. 
no. Burn stuff is working. I don't know if it's working. I appreciate the you giving it to me, but I, I'm not sure if it actually did anything quite yet. I've been taking it every day. So yeah, yeah. And does it does it bother your stomach? No, not really. No, no. I've had one issue, but I texted about texted <laughs> pri- okay, privately. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. Ah, that's uh, funny. You know, we uh, Michael, we had a lot of questions yesterday that were on the evolution front, and I thought, you know, if we could, it might be really interesting to get uh, David Liddy in on this. I, and, I think that'd be great. Where's David Liddy? Hey, Dave Liddy. Dave Liddy. So he's coming. We'll get him back. Hey, we got Ethan, though. Ethan, step on into the GSX and Politics uh, booth here. Put those headphones on. Step up. Step on up to that microphone there. And we need a question from you that yeah. you did not get answered last night that you want answered. Yeah. Wait, tell us your name and what campus you're from. Ethan Melito from Life Church Eagle Creek. Okay. okay. Uh, it was kind of a stupid question. Okay, what was the question? You might not be able to answer it. He would answer it. Oh, he could answer it. He can answer it. Hey, get on. Who's he? Get on. Get on the podcast. Yeah. This is uh, this is someone else that you know very well. This is our campus pastor from Eagle Creek. What's his name? What's Eagle Creek campus pastor name? Yeah, uh, Mike. <laughs> hey, someone called Eagle Creek campus and asked for Pastor Micah today. Oh, for real? For real? <laughs> and I was like, I'm Pastor Mike. They're like, No, Pastor Micah. That's funny. Yeah. Sorry. Well, maybe on WIBC, like they get it confused. Where they're I think like, it's, okay, is that what yeah, it was? Yeah. That's, That's okay. Funny. We're glad they called in. Well, Ethan, you know, you know the campus pastor uh, pretty well. Tell us your relationship with him. He's my dad. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. So, Ethan, what's your question? What's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? Oh, that's a good one. Pastor Mike. 42. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. <laughs> you do a Kamala cackle here. That is so. awkward. That is awkward. <laughs> she, she thought it was funny. Not everyone's going to that's a movie reference. I don't know if you knew that. It's uh, uh, a 42. Uh, uh, um, yes. Have you seen the movie? I'm trying to think what movie it was. I don't think you've seen it. Is it 42 as in? Huh? Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Dad. Go. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, wow. No, some, wow. Of, some movies that people tell me to watch, I, I think to myself, I'm too intelligent for this I'm movie. I'm going to tell I, you not to watch it because you'll think yeah, that. That's watch exactly it. what it's I'll think. such yeah. a stupid, stupid movie. Yeah. Anyway, I got to go. That's good. Hey, thank you, Ethan, for your question. Pastor uh, Mike. Mike, we, uh, we need your answer to this question. We didn't get um, to this one yesterday. Um what does the scripture say about social justice? <laughs> that is a loaded question. Ah, uh, hey, that's a that question we a got. Question. One of the young people want to know uh, the answer to that. What do you say? Well, I think that. Um, well, I think that Jesus. Uh, you can infer that Jesus was, uh, you know, for social justice, so to speak, and the people that he hung out with. But I, I think the social justice that we think about today uh, is not the same as what Jesus did per se. Uh, today, I think social justice is used as, as an excuse to just allow anything. Um, but it was a at first a reaction to bullying and different things like that, which is probably a good thing. And Jesus is for bullying. But it's been taken way, way too far. Um, just last week, my daughter, who's at Purdue, was telling me about an article they had to write a paper about. And the article basically said that the only people that get bullied anymore, the only group that gets bullied ever is LGBTQ people. And she just <laughs> she was like, are you serious? Uh, for sure they get bullied, but they're not the only people that get bullied. Um, she said, do you know how much I got bullied for being a pastor's kid? You know, so... 
Uh, but that's, I think that's kind of where social justice has gone today, and I don't think that's something the Bible is for. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So do you think there's a misconception as to what social justice actually is in, in terms of like, if we said feeding orphans, taking care of widows, is that, is that social justice? Yeah. And, and so whenever, you know, James writes about what true religion is, mm -hmm. is that, is that what he's talking about? It, it, where is, where is care mandated to us as Christians? We're going to care for these people. And then where it gets taken into a different direction where, oh, but, but now the state takes care of certain things. And is there some confusion there? What do you think? It was never supposed to be the state doing that. And, uh, and so even people who are Christians on the left sometimes, that's why they're on the left is because they, they want to vote for candidates that are going to tax and then take care of the widows and orphans and all those people. But it was not supposed to be government mandated. It was supposed to be the church and, and us making a decision to do that on our own because God told us to do it. And when government does that, they're trying to take the role of God. But um, I think what you're talking about, we in the church typically call compassion ministries, mm -hmm. um, and that's meeting felt needs. And, uh, you know, Project Rescue is one of those things. Yep. Uh, Convoy, Convoy of Hope, Hope. Yep. Uh, you know, looking after the needs of people who've been through disasters. Some people would call that social justice. Whatever you want to call it, that's what the Bible says about it. But that's not, it was never meant to be something government does. It was never meant to be something that is mandated. It was supposed to be something that because of our relationship with Jesus, we do. Yeah. And when the government mandates something, it takes away our ability to be charitable. You know, like if they oh, yeah. step in and do it or force us to do it. It's no longer from love. It's no longer from love. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and so charity is about the heart. And taxation definitely robs you of the love that you would do it with. Well, you know, it's compulsion, and you can't have love when you're when, when you have something that's compulsory. And some people can make the case that um, when taxes are high and when policies drive up prices, then that actually um, harms our ability to do things. Absolutely right. Uh, out of compassion and out of love, um, but. Yeah, it was never it was never meant to be government yeah. uh, mandating those things for yeah. sure. Uh, I've been reading um, David Barton's book, uh, The American Story. Oh yeah, it's good. And he talked about how they all absolutely had a mentality that um, the state was not to do uh, taking care of welfare type things, what we would call that today. But that that was the job, the, the job of every single citizen yeah. to take care of that personally in their in in their area, mm -hmm. and they did not want there to be laws taxing people towards towards that. And mm -hmm. you think about how far we've gone no, off, man. and we we tend to think that if we just throw money at it, we'll fix it. But that is not really the case, and we can really see that in our schools. If we could just if if we throw money at it, we're going to get good education for our kids. And boy, we we probably spend more money than any other country in the world on education, and oh, yeah. our bang for the buck is terrible. pretty lousy. Yeah. Well, that's it's uh, it's sad when you see the church now not only being the ones that are uh, they don't know that the government wasn't supposed to do those things; they're the ones calling for the government to do those things. I mean, that's that's the the irony of this. To your point, Nathan, we started in the church; the early settlers wouldn't let. The government do it and now we have christians saying the government has to come in and do it because that's just 
that just seems like seems like the best solution to the problem. And if you know anything about God's ordained ways, no, the government would, makes it worse. Well, and I think you have to kind of contend with the fact that that's either a willful ignorance. I mean, because mm-hmm. it, it's if you're reading scripture and pulling meaning out of scripture rather than reading into it, then it's pretty clear. Yeah, it's not supposed to be government. Yeah, uh, if you're reading into scripture, your culture, then okay, I could see where someone would make that argument. But there's enough information out there. There are enough churches. We're one of them mm-hmm. that teach correctly, uh, and and at some points uh, you have to come to terms with the fact that someone might be exposed to the correct teaching and be so upset about it or not understand it and walk away or cancel it uh worse yet and it's a willful ignorance yeah and uh and at some point you know people will have to come to terms with the truth so cool we we talked about uh cancel culture and service today actually did you yeah we mentioned the question last night about how how can we have unity in our schools yeah and uh and i said you know every one of us had a great answer but you, you ended it with talking about forgiveness yeah. And, uh, and I just, I said today, I said, you know, everyone wants to cancel people for their past. And I said, we're, we're binding people up when we do that. We set yeah. people free ourselves, especially when we forgive. Yeah. And, uh, and so sometimes I think churches that speak the truth in love, we get canceled, yeah. you know, for right. speaking the truth. So, right. Yeah. Hey Mike, before you go, uh, there was a couple of questions that came in that I thought you uniquely able to answer. And before, you know, we, we know have this means. beautiful student next to me, ask her question. The, the one question was, um, isn't Eagle Creek the best campus? Well, <laughs> hey, okay, and, I would, and I, the other follow-up question, that was question 26. Question 27 was, I want you to ask Pastor Mike who his favorite child is. So <laughs> I think... So is Eagle Creek, let's answer that one first. Is Eagle Creek the best campus? I'm going to reword the question if I could. Which is the best campus or what's just my favorite campus? And it's whichever campus I'm at at the time. Oh. That's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> Go home to mommy. <laughs> I, that's an honest answer. So, Well, thank you for joining us, uh, Pastor Mike. And uh, we know that Ethan is writing a lot of these questions and uh, wanted to ask you. So we just uh, awesome. we, we appreciate your point cool. of view. Yeah. Have fun. Cool. All right. Thank you. Thank All you right. So we've much. got someone who stepped up to the microphone. Ruby Taylor. Ruby, how are you? Tell us where, where you're from, you what campus you go to. Get Mike, girl. Get up there close and personal. Okay. Um, there you go. I go to Noblesville campus. Sweet. Awesome. How hey, many years have you been coming here? I think two. Two years. Okay. okay. Awesome. Sweet. What's your What's your question, Ruby? Did God create sin? Mm, good question. Ooh. That's a great question. Okay. So first, before you before you walk away, tell me what you think the answer is. Well, I know He created everything, but I also know that like we twist things, so I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, if God did create sin, would that make him the author of evil? No. No? Why not? Because, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so first off, uh, so here's a question. Um, if God is light, what would be, what's the opposite of light? Dark. Darkness, right? So, could you have an absence of God and that be darkness? Right? Yes. All right. So if God's will is, is something, could you have the opposite of God's will? And would that be the, the thing that you asked about? Is that sin? Yeah. Okay. So 
if God says, I want you to eat of every tree in the garden, but I don't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he gives them one thing, why, first off, why would he give them that one request? Why do you think he made that request? To see if they would choose him or not. Okay, so it's a test. You agree? Okay, I totally agree. If it's a test, then he's not wanting them to sin, but without a test, can you have the concept of love? Okay, if, if some guy came up to you and said, Ruby, you have to love me, and you have no choice in the matter, is that love? No. So without choice, you cannot have the concept of love. You agree that love demands it? Yes. All right. So then sin is simply choosing the opposite of what God wanted. It is failing the test. Um. But does that make God the author of it, or did he just create the opportunity for us to choose? The opportunity. So in your opinion, did God create sin, or did he create the opportunity to show whether we loved him or not? The opportunity. Boom. Does that seem like a logical answer to you? Yeah. Okay. That was great. That's a great question. Yeah, wonderful question, Ruby. Thank you for coming on. Hey, give Ruby a hand, huh? Step right up to the microphone. Okay, right. who's, who's got it? Who's got the next question? We've got a, we got a whole crew forming. I'll read Anyone. some of your questions from last night. Yeah. I oh, here we go. It. Hey. Question. We got a question. We got Tony Bruns. Is, uh, Ooh, he's, Tony, He's bringing on. someone up to the microphone. So, okay. Right. Throw those headphones on. Introduce okay. yourself. Introduce Tell yourself. us what campus yep. you go to. Yep. I'm Bailey, and I go to the Fishers campus. Okay, awesome, Bailey. Bailey. How long have you gone to the Fishers campus? My entire life, basically. Oh, well, that's good. Nice. Cool. So what's your question? As a student going into a public school, how can I show the light of Jesus in that school? Oh, that's a good question. question. Yeah. Awesome question. What do you think, Micah? Well, so I think the first thing uh, is you you need to recognize that uh, everybody has value, no matter who they are, in the eyes of God. Okay, so when God says something's valuable, we have to treat it as valuable. Doesn't matter if they look different, if they act different, if they, everyone is, is valuable because God says they're valuable. So what I do is I, I ask the Lord, Lord, give me your eyes to see people the way you see them. All right. So that does one of two things. It will, one, it will give you a heart for that person. You'll want to the best for them because God wants the best for them. And then it also exposes it, what's going on in their in their lives? So if God God knows what's happening in their in their lives. If if you can see them through the lens of God, He might give you a little insight into what they're dealing with and how you can come alongside and help them. You can say, "All right, Lord, show me how you see maybe this person over here who hasn't really treated me very well, but I know you love them. How, help me to see them the way you see them." Well, maybe God just lays in your in your heart and your mind. You you start thinking, "Well, maybe they're having problems at home." It opens up a door for you to ask a question. Hey, is, how's everything going at home? And maybe they're like, they start sharing like, man, it's been really, it's been really hard. It's, it's not easy. And, and now you get a chance to minister to somebody and say, hey, you know, God loves you no matter what kind of turmoil you're going through. Like there's, there's hope in Jesus. And, and so that's one, that's one way I do it. I just say, Lord, give me the eyes for people that you have. And I think that helps like lay a good foundation. And then the other, the other thing you can ask the Lord is say, Lord, give me the opportunity to show love. 
and I don't know what that looks like. That could look very different from a day-to-day basis. But if the Lord gives you the opportunity, he's going to give you the nudge. He's going to say, hey, here's an opportunity. Now do this, right? Or there might be a thought that comes to your head like, oh, maybe I should take that person like a, you know, just a gift or something. Like maybe, you know, maybe they're really good at, you know, you know, uh, singing or something. And, I, and you get them a, some, a gift card to Guitar Center or something to that, that effect. You know what I mean? Like God just lays it on your head. You, you show an act of kindness by giving them something. Or maybe it's just a, an encouraging word. Maybe the Lord says, hey, just go up and tell that person that they're loved today. You know, and you, and you follow that leading of the Holy Spirit. That's probably one of the best ways to start planting that seed of love in people's hearts at, at a place like a public school. Yeah, that's a great answer. The other thing is the Bible tells us that we're to give an answer for the faith we profess. You're going to run into nothing but a bunch of questions, questions about everything. And the more that you know about how your your heavenly father thinks, how your savior thinks, because the Bible reveals that to us, then whenever a wrong answer comes across your ears, something will perk up inside you, Bailey. You'll just go, that doesn't sound quite right. Um, you know, they tell people that are becoming like bank tellers, they don't put every counterfeit in front of them and tell them to study all the counterfeits. They put the real thing in front of them and say, get so used to the real thing that when anything else touches your fingers, you'll feel it and it'll feel different. You'll see it and it'll be, it'll be a different shape, whatever. You will pick up on the small little things because you've handled the authentic so well. And that's where you just start to open your mouth and say what you know God has said. But you got to be in God's word before you go into that hostile territory of a public school where they don't have the same values you have. They don't, they don't start at the same starting point of truth that you start from. So God will give you an answer. And sometimes you'll come up against something and you'll go, I don't know what the answer is. Just something seems wrong about that. And you'll have to go back and find the answer. And, and I think that actually when we start getting asked tough questions and we start investigating it out ourselves, that's where we really grow in our faith because it's not mom and dad's faith anymore. It's my faith. And either I'm going to believe this or I'm not going to believe it. And that's every parent. We want our kids, you know, a Christian parent wants their kids to serve the Lord. But they still know that that kid has a choice in the matter. And they're going to have to determine whether or not they really believe if the things that they have heard from the word of God are true. And so you'll be challenged. But in the end, we think you'll make it. And we think you'll make a difference. And you bring hope, just like Micah said. You're bringing hope to somebody's life make a big difference it's awesome good job kid yeah i think hey thank you for the question bailey all right hey we're uh this is jesus sex and politics we're at the truth conference here at life church noblesville we're gonna take a quick break but we'll be right back hey this is micah from jesus sex and politics hey if you're in the indianapolis area and you're looking for a good church to get plugged into check out life church we've got four campuses around the indy area in noblesville eagle creek fishers and pendleton and we're a church that believes in preaching the word of god and not apologizing for it under pastor nathan's leadership as the lead pastor we are making great strides in our community and in our culture to take you back to what the word of god says about what is true and what is not 
If you're not in the Indianapolis area, jump on our website at lifechurchin.com and follow us on our online campus. So no matter where you are in the world, you can be a part of what God is doing at Life Church. But hey, we'd love to see you in person or online. Again, that's lifechurchin.com. Check us out and you'll be amazed and blessed at how the Lord reveals himself to you through his word. Well, hey, we are back here on the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast at the Truth Conference, student conference out of Life Church in Noblesville, Indiana. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing good. We've had some great questions. Oh, during the break, I know. And this it's going to be good ones. This was a question that wanted to be directed directly to you, Pastor To me? Mike. Get ready. I don't know what's going on. Get okay. Set. Okay, first of all, step on up to the microphone. Tell us your name. And what campus you go to, and then we'll talk, dive into your question. Okay. I'm Samara Still, and I go to the Noblesville campus. Samara. Woo! Good to have you. Okay. Samara, what is your question? Do you believe the rapture happens before the tribulation <laughs> or in the middle, and why? Ah, oh, man. Okay. So that's a great question. I think, personally, that there is still a whole lot of uh, mystery surrounding the end times. And I think we don't want to fall into the trap that the, that the Jewish people fell into when Jesus the Messiah came. They thought they knew exactly how the Messiah was going to show up. And they were really smart people. I mean, they were very schooled people. They knew the Old Testament. They knew what the scriptures said forward and backwards in every which way. And yet they were still deceived because they were arrogant and prideful. So I don't want to fall into the camp of like, it's going to happen this way for sure, hundred percent. And I just, you know, and so that's, I want to be careful not to go that, that path. Now, what I, what I believe personally, based on what scripture says is that, uh, you know, we are not the children of wrath. We're not, we're not the ones that, that God's wrath is going to fall on. When Jesus was on the cross, all of God's wrath, Scripture says, was poured out on Christ. So the wrath of the tribulation and that kind of stuff, how can all of God's wrath be poured out on Christ and yet those who are in Christ still go through and experience wrath? So I think there will be a, a, a pulling out or call, uh, kind of a calling up, so a rapture. But I like what Pastor Nathan, uh, he started talking to me about what he <laughs> believes. And, and I, I actually agree with it. And Pastor Nathan has this great concept called U-turn uh, theology. So Nathan, take us to the U-turn, oh, the boy. U-turn theology. Tell us why you believe that. And I think it's, I okay. think it's pretty cool. Okay. So I want to echo what Micah has said <laughs> in terms of, I don't know the answer to this definitively. I, I, I just want to say that because if there's a lot of things that I do answer that I go, I'm really confident about that answer. This is one of those things I think is there's a lot of speculation to this. Here's the biggest thing. I just want to go when he comes, right? And I want everybody to be ready. Um, I think that there are great arguments that I, there's a lot of people in the church that I love and adore, and they are 100% in the camp that we're out of here, and we're not going to experience any of the painful stuff to come. I, I have people that I love and adore that they're right there in the middle and they go, we think something definitely happens after the first three and a half years. And, and there's definitely the scriptures come together and talk about that middle, middle season. And then there are probably uh, less people that I know personally, but um, still to have that answer that you actually didn't bring it up in your question, but what about those who wait until the end? All I know is when 
I wasn't trying to come up with my theology on this. Um, the Assemblies of God allows us to actually talk about the different views so that all of our, our, our people are aware of the different views, and it may lean in one particular way. The Assemblies of God kind of leans much closer to, uh, or the vast majority of people, they lean more towards a pre-trib rapture, right? Um, and and I think most people would be comfortable in an Assemblies of God church with 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 that mentality and there's some great bible teachers in this church that that feel that way um but i think that when i was reading the book of luke there is um there's a a place where jesus says woe to you and he starts naming out cities and i wasn't even trying to study the the rapture but it got me thinking and let's just talk about the return of christ right? Because even the rapture, that word is actually not in the Bible, but the concept seems to be in the Bible, right? So let's just talk about the return of Jesus. Well, there's these cities that Jesus calls out and he says, woe to you. And he says, woe to you, this city and this city and this city. It's going to be worse for you than it was for this ancient city and this ancient city and this ancient city most of those ancient cities were all destroyed. But they were destroyed by a king that would come in and he would say, I'm your king. I want you to open up the gates and I want you to accept my rulership over you. And, and so those ancient cities that were destroyed told that king that was at their gate, they said, no, we're not going to open up. And the king said, okay, I'll make an example out of you. And he'll destroy them. So what Jesus is doing, he's alluding to those old places that were destroyed, and he's saying it's going to be better for those ancient cities when they got destroyed than for these current cities. And the problem he has with them, Samara, is he has a problem that they have rejected him. Because to reject an ancient king was a bad thing. came with death. But to reject Jesus is a whole another level of death. It's what we call the second death, which is literally hell and 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 Gomorrah. So, I'm sorry, hell and, and Gehenna. So, so the ancient picture is when the king comes, you come outside the city and you say, "I'm yours. I I accept you as my king." Do you remember when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and all the people that were taking off their, their robes and they were taking off or they were laying down all the palm branches? They were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They came outside the city as Jesus came into the city on a donkey and then, and then they went inside the city. And there were religious leaders. They said, stop, shut up, make them shut up. Don't you see the kids are, are, are dancing in the streets? And he says, listen, if, the, if they would be quiet, even the very rocks would cry out. Now, that's weird. Can rocks cry out? Are you saying that rocks have voices? Like, what does that even mean? It comes down to those who accept. I think the rocks crying out probably has to do with actually like how a rock flies through the air and destroys walls, like a ballista or a catapult or something like that. I think they whistle in the air. And what he was saying was, if you don't accept me as king, when somebody else comes and they say, I'm the king, you won't accept them either. 
And the Jewish people were saying, well, we have no king but Caesar. Remember they said that whenever Jesus was through the trial? They were just like, we have no king but, but Caesar. But when Caesar came and said, I want to be your king, you know, open up the gates, they didn't do it. And so he had to destroy all the walls, right? I know this is a long answer, but here, here's, I'm getting to the crux of the argument. To say that you're loyal to the king, you come outside of the city just like they did in the ancient day. I think the ancient picture is the picture that Jesus is going to do. That if it's not us as Christians, but some level of Christians in the end, when Jesus returns, he's not returning from earth, he's returning from heaven. So as he's coming down, where would we meet him outside the city? We would meet him coming up in the air. And the Bible says that we'd be caught up in the air and I don't think, I, you know, I don't know. Are we gone a long time? I don't think so. I think he's coming down. And whoever those people are. So the pre-trib person would say, yeah, well, there's people who come to Christ and they become part of the church after the initial group of people have been taken up in the rapture. The church is still present, but it's much smaller. And it's people who have come through the tribulation and given their life to Jesus. Whatever it is, I know that there's Christians and they meet him in the air, and Jesus goes, come on, we're going back in the city. So it's almost like they come up, and then they make a U-turn and come right down with him. Hence the U-turn U-turn uh, language, which right. is what, yeah, I think, which is, I think it's pretty awesome. So that, the, the large part of this is, I don't know. Here's my greatest thing I want for you. I want you to be ready. If you have to go through really tough times, I don't want to be telling you, yeah, you're out of here. You'll never have to go through tough stuff. Whenever Jesus said, you're going to go through some really hard stuff. I would rather you have it in your mind that if I had to lose my life for Jesus, I would gladly do it. If I had to go through terrible stuff, I would gladly do it. Then for me to prepare people and say, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be easy for us and we're out of here. What if I'm wrong? If I'm wrong, you could go, well, my pastor told me it was going to happen like this. And if it didn't, then maybe there's a lot of other things he told me that aren't true. I want to tell you what I am 100% certain about. Now, I've got, there's old pastors in this church, and man, they are certain of their position. And I would love to be that guy. I'm just not yet. And in the meantime, I got to be honest about what I know and don't know. And I, I, I read a lot of different positions, and I go, man, that's a really good point. I wish I knew that. You, you ask a really tough question, and I want to be really honest. I just don't know. I just want you and me to be ready when the day comes and the archangel's trumpet sounds. I, I want to go. Is that, is that fair? All right. Well, that was an incredibly awesome question, Samara. Thank you for giving it to us, and, and uh, hopefully that gave you a little bit to chew on and think about. And ultimately, we know Jesus, uh, he's, he's coming back, right? So pre-trib, post-trib, uh, mid-trib, uh, it's, it um, it's 100% happening. So, you know, they we're just, we're, Christ will come back. And so that's what we got. Can gotta, I ask you a question, Samara? What led you to ask that question? Um, actually, I never knew the rapture was a thing before COVID when my mom started listening to pastors who would talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered what you thought about it. Yeah. Did it scare you? No. No, it didn't scare you? I got to tell you something. When I was a kid, we heard about the rapture 
all the time in church. And they made us watch scary movies. <laughs> what, what happened? What? Wait, Nathan's the only one left. He's like, no! no literally. No! And they would have different, different preachers out there. And they were telling us that Jesus was going to come back on a certain day. When you're a little kid, you don't know all that. And I remember at 8888, Jesus was coming back on, on August 8th, 1988. And, and, uh, and I was like 11 years old. And that day, my mom and dad were late coming home from work. My dog ran away, and I was, like, crying down the road. My brothers weren't there. And I'm thinking, no, I got <laughs> left in the rapture. You know? So I remember that petrified feeling. That's why we're not supposed to put dates on it, and we're just supposed to be ready. And if we, we endure through the end, the Bible says we'll be given the crown of life. So Good. I understand that your dad believes that it's in the middle. He told me Woo! that. Woo! <laughs> she knows that my dad, my dad does believe that. Yeah, yeah but he does. He's I have an argument convinced. for people that think that. Okay, what's the argument? Why would Jews flee to Petra when Christians would get raptured? Boy, that's a great question. I don't see. You, you got me. I don't know the answer to that. I, I do know that I just watched a documentary on Petra. And how many people it could actually house. So that was actually really, really interesting to me. I do want to tell you something. As pastors, we don't know everything. And uh, there's a lot of things we haven't yet studied. I'm only 45 years old, and I got a lot more studying to do. So he looks way older. So, so hook me up, or you know, you know, ask me a question (laughs) a, a little later. I might have a better answer for you. Have you asked my dad that question? What did he say? What question? The question about Petra. Did you ask him? No. Okay. Well, he'll be here later because he <laughs> loves as one of your youth leaders. And you ask him that question, and I, I would love to hear the answer. Okay. Okay? Thanks for coming cool. on. Thank you, Appreciate Samara. It. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. You got any more questions out there in the lobby? Okay. So step on up to the microphone there. Throw on the headphones. Tell us your name and what campus you're from. I'm Raymond. I'm from the Eagle Creek campus. Woo! Eagle Creek. Raymond. Represent. Yes. What's, what's your question, Raymond? Spiritual battles. Okay. And mainly in school because there's a lot of it nowadays. Let's just face it. I'm not going to just cut the legs off and I'm just going <laughs> to. You're just going right at not. Yes. You're just uh, jumping right into the yes. deep end. Okay, spiritual battles. What's your question about spiritual battles? What should I be, like, focusing on, like, no, like I had the question in my mind. Well, maybe okay. is it is it a, how to how to fight and win the spiritual battles? Yes, kind of is yes, that is that yes, it? Like yes. I know when I was your age, I I would hear about spiritual battles, and you just don't really know how to mm-hmm. how to fight them. I mean, I think we we're not necessarily always keen on the what's going on in the spiritual realm. We're a lot more focused on the physical and the natural realm. Now, one of the things that I learned very very early on that that has uh, an amazing success uh, rate when you're fighting spiritual uh, forces that are not your friends, because you got to remember there's angels and there's demons. There's 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 spiritual forces that the Lord sends to protect you and to guide you, and then there's spiritual forces that are against you. But one of the biggest tools that we have as believers is the name of Jesus. And I I remember the Lord really kind of taught me addressing the issue of spiritual battles. He said you have to open up your mouth and speak out truth and and address these spiritual fo- forces that are coming against you. Most of the time, we just 
internally process or if we're praying to the Lord, we say, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going through a spiritual battle here and I need your help. And, and what God, he'll, he'll step in and he'll, he'll help you. But sometimes he wants to equip you and empower you to go out and win the battle with the tools he's given you with his spirit. And so, because if, if he's a good dad, which he is, he wants to see his children act like he acts. So one of the ways he, he acts is that he opens his mouth and he speaks things into victory. So if there's a problem, he speaks it into existence to make sure the problem goes away. So if we're going to be made in his image, and we are, the Bible tells us, then we speak things into existence too. So if you're dealing with spiritual battles in your, in your life right now, open your mouth verbally out, like it has to come out of your mouth, and you speak out the name of Jesus. You say, in the name of Jesus, this spiritual force, I command you to leave. I command you to get away. I, I, I declare the peace of God that will cover my, my home, will cover my situation. Let the goodness of God just flow over everything that's happening right now. And you begin to speak to those demonic forces that are trying to attack you and say, get out of here. You're not, you're not welcome here, and I have the authority through the power of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, to conquer you, not the other way around. But most of the time, Raymond, people don't even know that that's going on, and so they don't even know that they're, they don't even know what's happening, happening let alone they know how to deal with it. So you got to speak the name of Jesus out. Okay, you got to speak out, say in the name of Jesus, demon, or spiritual force that, that I don't want here, you need to leave now. And, and when you do that, they, they can't stay. It's kind of like this. If you ever see a, uh, a set of red and blue lights in your, in your rear view mirror when you're driving down the road, what do you do? Pull over. Whoa, that's right. Why do you pull over? Either you're getting pulled over or the emergency forces are about to go deal with a situation else. That's right. That's right. So there's, there's this aspect of authority, okay? And God is the God of authority, all right, and so when you see red and blue lights, it's not that they have tracking beams that like grab your car and pull your car over. You do it because you know there's an authority ascribed to those red and blue lights. It's the same, it's the same thing when we're battling demons. When you speak out the name of Jesus, they recognize the authority that you're walking in. They have to pull over. They have to get out of the way. If they don't do it, there will be severe consequences that we've already seen happen in the book of Jude. We've seen demons that haven't stayed in their lane and recognized the authority of God, and God has already dealt very swiftly with, with them. They've already thrown, he's already thrown those demons into the abyss, is what the scriptures say, and they don't want to go there. Demons do not want to do that. You look at the story when Jesus came upon the man who was demon-possessed, and Jesus says, what is your name? And the demon said, we are legion because we are many. What did, it, what did it say? It said, we know who you are, son of God. Are you here to torment us before the appointed time? Well, what that demon was saying, the demon was saying, we've seen you deal with the demons that have stepped out of line and who haven't operated in the authority and the boundaries God has made, and, and we don't want to be those demons. And so Jesus said, all right, get out of this man. They say, okay, just throw us into those pigs over there and we'll go. Like, we just don't, we don't want to mess with you, Jesus. You are, you are the son of the living God. We know when we've been whooped. And so, so Jesus says, go to those pigs. And they do that. The pigs run off the, the, the cliff. It kills all the pigs. So again, there's an aspect of authority. Now, the other, the other story, Raymond, I want to hit just here at the end, as we're wrapping this question up. Um, what happened when Jesus, there was a story of a, of a centurion, okay? He had a sick servant at his house. And the centurion, he's a Roman, he's a Gentile, he's not a Jew. He finds Jesus, he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I have a servant at my home, and I, I, I know you can heal people, you can heal servants, and you, like, would you heal my servant? 
And Jesus said, yes, take me to your home. And the centurion stopped and said, whoa, Jesus, like, you don't, I know, I know you are all, you have all authority. And I am a man of authority. He's over a thousand Roman soldiers, some of the, the fiercest fighting forces in the world at the time. And he said, I'm also a man under authority. I say to this man, go, and he goes. I say to this man, come, and he comes, right? And he says, Jesus, I see in you all authority. You don't have to come to my house. You just have to speak the word. And I know the authority is gonna change everything in my servant's life the moment it exits your mouth. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, are you guys catching this? This guy knows more about how the kingdom of heaven works than all y'all. And you're Jews, you know the scriptures and you don't get it. And the centurion right here gets it better than you. He says, There's no, there is not a greater faith that I have discovered in all Judea more so than this man's right here. And he's a Gentile. But again, it goes back to authority. And you have authority when you are in Christ Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And if you are one of his children, you get to walk in that same authority. So open your mouth, speak it out, declare truth and victory in that circumstance. And you're gonna see great things happen in, in spiritual battle. So this is a little bit of a long answer. Sorry about that, but I wanted, to give, you, I wanted to give you context. Also, was uh, the devil originally a spirit of God? I mean, an angel? Uh, yes, yes, he was. He was a, an angel, his name was Lucifer. Okay, and he was one of the most beautiful angels that were, were created. Now I'll let maybe Nathan take that one because you're, you're good on yeah, this he, question. He was, uh, he was called the anointed cherub that covereth, and uh, he walked upon the, the stones of fire. He, was, he, he had um, a, an understanding of the, the timbrels and the pipes. That's where we get the idea that he was a worship leader, and his job was to give glory to God. But what happened was he started to ask the wrong questions, and he started to desire things that he should have never desired. He gets caught in a thought, which I think is actually kind of a thought of, of evolution, right? An evolutionary thought is, um, you know, this, this idea of how do I become something greater than what I am? Can I evolve to be higher than I am? And I think that that thought was going through his head. Then I think the thought is, how did God get to be as God is? He was the original force. And well, that's everything. exactly right. But the idea, I think, is that he says, I will be like the Most High God. He couldn't imagine anything greater than the Most High God, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at one time and can't change, right? Yeah. He couldn't imagine anything greater than God, but he says, I will be like him. Well, there's the problem because he's God and Lucifer was not and Lucifer would never be God, but he wanted that. And he started in his head thinking, I will lift my throne above the other stars of God. Stars of God is a way of, we say, the angels or the principal. The, the 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 very high princes that God has. The so yeah, you know God operates exactly what Pastor Mike was saying. Principalities and powers are put forth by God over the world, over the nations. They are to bring glory to God. But what happens if those principalities and powers say, "I want that glory for myself," and that's essentially what Lucifer did. He goes, "I want it for myself." And he stumbles into pride. And God says, no, 
That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen the way you think it is. And the devil was thrown down. And a third of all the angels followed him because he was very convincing in his deception. And one third of the angels rebel against God. And so God swipes them out of the sky, right? And those are the demons. That... Those are the demons. Yep. Yep. So when you think, oh man, there's lots of demons in the world, just stop and think, well, there's twice as many angels who are loyal to the most high God. Before I take off the headset, you guys want to hear a joke? <laughs> yes. Ooh, this could be dangerous. Is it a good <laughs> joke? Am I going to be and embarrassed? Would my, wa- would my wife or my mother blush? Hey, I can, I, I've got the uh, button, so we can always... Uh, Are we yeah. on a delay? Well, uh, we can be on a delay. So. Okay, all right. Have you ever goes. been assaulted with a wet spaghetti noodle? That's how it feels to drive a Ford F-150. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> what I, just... What just happened? Is, it, is there an interpretation to that? I think that was a Chevy joke. Like, are you a Chevy driver? You are a Chevy driver? That's, that's good. I don't okay. get You drive Chevy all the way. Okay, well, hey, so we're, gonna, we're going to, real quick, uh, before we got we to gotta cut to just a quick promo break, but um, we'll be right back because we've got a great question. Ava's coming up here with, uh, three questions. You got three questions. Three then we're going to get. Then we're going to get Dave Liddy, and Dave Liddy's coming too. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Nathan from Jesus Sex and Politics, and I'm talking to all of our younger Gen Zer listeners. Listen, you are extraordinary because you are actually paying attention and enjoying the fact that we are being very fun in our offense. So share and subscribe. And get the word out about Jesus, sex, and politics because your friends, as, as the good old Maharishi Rush Limbaugh would say, their mind's full of mush. But you don't have to stay that way. We will help craft it into a brilliant, brilliant mind that is congruent with God's word. If you're in the Hamilton County, Noblesville area, be sure to check out Sunshine Service Incorporated. They service all makes and models of cars, and they are your friends, local community members who specialize in auto repair service. They believe the business of auto repair is that the service is the difference. Their auto technicians in Noblesville use state-of-the-art tools, equipment, and training to keep up with today's most complicated vehicle management systems, from brakes to batteries, filters to fluids, routine preventative maintenance to complex full vehicle repairs and service. They have you covered. Be sure to call George and his amazing team. I use them. They've been great on my car. I have nothing but good things to say about them and you will too. We guarantee it. All right, we're back at the Truth Conference 2022. And we have our very, very own Ava. Ava, you got a question for us? Oh, wait, hold on a second. I got to turn on your microphone. Okay, go for it. Wait, 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 wait. Who are you? And where are you from? I'm Ava Walker. I'm from the Noblesville campus. Nice. Okay, Ava, what's your question? So if someone asks us to use pronouns as Christians, how should we respond? Like, Mm, That's a good question. I think you should use the correct pronoun for the sex that they were born with. Yeah. Okay. And and the the reason I say that is because Jesus quotes Jesus himself, the Son of God, the Logos of the Father, the Word of God made flesh. He describes uh, the book of Genesis, and he says, "Did God not make them 
male and female. So in, in male and female, he is saying that is what they are. God set forth the choice uh, uh, as, to, as to what part they were going to play. Were they going to play the husband role or the wife role in revealing his glory and echoing the love of Jesus? Jesus is the ultimate husband. The church is the ultimate wife. And we're to declare the mystery of, of the gospel as declared through marriage. So as declared through gender. When God made you female, he chose that for you. When he made me male, he chose that for me. And because we accept that and we go, okay, Lord, that's what you say. That's what I'm going to do. It's just an issue of, hey, let's call people what they are. If you were female and I called you, uh, you know, him and her and all that stuff, or uh, not him and her, him and he and all that stuff, would I be saying something opposite of what Jesus said? Yeah. I would. Do I have that authority? No. Um, and it's, but it's like, what if you can't tell what they are anymore? Because like, say you're just meeting a stranger and they're like, I'm a he or they or whatever. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's literally hard. There was actually on Saturday Night Live way back in like no, the, Pat. the 80s and the 90s, <laughs> yeah, there was this character on there named Pat. Oh, and, and it was, nobody could tell what pat was in fact they had they were trying to discover what it was they were even going to play strip poker with pat to try and figure <laughs> out what pat was the only problem was pat was really good at poker and they could never they could never figure it out so we do live in a world today that is is kind of weird and you're caught and it's really uncomfortable when you're in that point you're like i don't know this person's name you know because it's pat and i can't tell or whatever and it's just one of those really difficult things you have to wade through today but i would call them what you believe they were born to be now that might tick them off and make it be like how dare you you don't respect me and then i think i would try to turn the conversation and say look what were you born as that's what i have to submit to my god on the issue and my god said that about you not me, and I just agree with him. But it's like nowadays people are like, oh, I was born gay, or I was born this, this, this. I was just trapped in this body. So yeah. It's like, even if you say that, they could just say whatever they want, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, and you know, that born gay argument, um, it's, it's one of those things that I, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that um, we make choices, but I do think a lot of people make choices and gender confusion is a real thing. Did you know that if you go back to like the night before the 1970s, I think it was 1971 or 73, do you know that that um, that homosexuality was considered a, gen a gender identity disorder? And they changed it. What changed it? Politics. And they were trying to push that. But all of, you know, all of, uh, you know, academia was really in agreement before that that there was something that went wrong. And I think a lot of what goes wrong, there's great books, uh, by the way, that I would really recommend to you. James Dobson's book, Bringing Up Boys, really can help explain um, male homosexuality. And, and he has one, Bringing Up Girls, that does the same thing. And they're different brokenness, but it's brokenness all the same. And a lot of people, they get angry at us if we say that homosexuality is a result of brokenness, but it is. In fact, all 
Uh, there's all kinds of things in all of us where we are sexually broken, but we have to submit that to God. And I think that were we born that way? No, probably life happened to us and just some hard stuff and we didn't handle it super well and we came away with some thoughts that weren't of God. How do I respond to people who are like, well, Jesus is gay or this or this? <laughs> Jesus see, is happy, see. but Jesus is not gay. <laughs> okay? Well, I mean, Jesus is the bridegroom. They're going to have a really hard time. Jesus is the bridegroom. He says that about himself. Then he calls the church his bride. So you're really going to have, he refers to himself as a him and the church is referred to as a her. How in God's green earth are they going to try and say that Jesus is gay? That is, that is itself. Didn't you see Jesus Christ Superstar? Come on, Nathan. Silly and foolish and I'm not going to give it anything to it. Yeah, that's a good question. So my next question is, how come God doesn't like reveal himself in ways that he did back then? I would say mm. he does. Yeah. I don't think that there's anything that God once did that he no longer does. Because God cannot change, right? Like, so he can still do the same thing. If Jesus is appearing to people, he appeared to Paul the Apostle in the book of Acts. And I, I, I know that there are Muslims in the Middle East he's appearing to. And, and there's a story, they call him the man in white. He's appearing all the time. Do people get healed in the, in the Old Testament? Yes. Do they get healed in the New Testament? Yes. Does he, does he heal people today? Yes. I think God's still moving, and anything he did, he can still do. Yeah. Good question. Okay, so my last one is, I started the Chosen series. And oh, awesome. <laughs> and right now, uh, I'm, watch I was in, I'm in season one still, and I was watching a scene. It was to, uh, the Jesus Loves Children episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And as they were walking away, they were like, so what if he's a murderer or criminal? It's like, wouldn't they just automatically feel like safe and at peace with him? Well, depends on who he's dealing with. Do you think the demons feel at safe and at peace with Jesus? Are you saying the children? Are, would, wouldn't the children feel yeah, safe and like at peace with him? Because don't they just feel like connected, I guess? Well, I mean, if we just look at the, what the Bible actually says, I, and I love The Chosen, but remember that that's a film adaptation yeah. of the Bible, right? Yeah. Um, the truth was is that Jesus had kids all around him, and the disciples... They were trying to get him away uh, from the kids or the kids away from him. And the reason was is because if you were in that day and age and you were a man who had children all around you, you wouldn't have been taken very seriously. Yeah. And, and so they're worried about Jesus' reputation, but Jesus could care less about his reputation because his heart is that he loves the sheep and he loves the lambs. And so by when they go to say, get him away, get, him, get these kids away, Jesus goes, no way. No way. Don't do anything to prevent the little ones from coming to me. And it showed that he was above what everybody thought of him. He could care less. He was, he's the Lord of glory, and he saw their lives as valuable, and he set an example to all of us to, to go out and reach little ones. Do you know that, that uh, the statistic says that if you don't receive Christ before you're 18 years of age, that your chances of receiving Christ drop by 85%. So that means maybe the two most important ministries in the church are children and youth ministry. Yeah. yeah. And that's why there's such a hot battle right now for the hearts and minds of the kids all across our nation. That's right. It's because the devil knows if he can win the kids in the middle school and high schools, then 
they're never coming to know him. I mean, the odds of it happening are very slim, like Nathan said. So that's a good question. Yeah. That's an excellent question. Yeah. Sorry, last thing. Yep. So I know multiple people right now who are struggling with, like, like their, hom- uh, their sexuality and drugs and stuff like that. And it's like I want to be there for them and, like, try to help them as much as I can. But I know I need to stay distant myself so I don't, like, get influenced, I guess, even though I mm-hmm. believe I'm staying strong in my faith. Mm-hmm. How can I help them, like, like physically and like, like I know I pray for them, but like, how can yeah. I help them in other ways? Well, first off, I think it's an excellent question. I think a lot of our young people are asking that question because the heart of it is I just don't know how, and I don't know what's safe for me to do, and what 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 would God be pleased with? Um, what I would encourage you to do. It, did you ever did you ever fly on an airplane? I did once, yeah. Okay. Did you remember when the, the flight attendant tells you that if you should lose cabin pressure, that there's going to be a mask that's going to fall, and you put your own mask on before helping your neighbor? Yeah. I think that's what we do. I think we, we look at ourselves, and we have to judge, are we ready by a knowledge of God's word to take on the kind of confusion that they're dealing with, right? Uh, drugs is an awful thing. And we have to know, man, this is a really, this is a big deal. At what point do I get an adult involved? Yeah. And at what point can I handle something on my own? And, and God is with us at all the stages of our life, but we should always be calling upon him to say, Lord, what's wisdom here? Now, you're how old, Ava? Uh, 15. 15. So are, are you in the word of God every day? Are you reading God's word every day? Okay, so as you're reading God's word, you're learning more and more and more. God will use you, and he will put you up against the kind of challenges that, that you can face as long as you operate in his strength, right? And at times, you're not going to know the answers. So you go back to the word of God, and you ask, you, you ask, you find out, go to one of your pastors, go to your next-gen pastor, and begin to ask questions so you can go back to them and say, you know, you told me this before, and I might have said this, but I think I have a different answer now. Can I tell you that I, th- I think this might be the way to go? You can engage, and we need Christians to engage, but just make sure that every day you're standing in God's word so that when the counterfeits come and the deceptions come, you won't be taken by it. And, and there are tough questions you're going to get. Know when to reach out and ask for help. I feel like, like if, I, if someone asks me questions that I don't know the answer, if I hesitate, they're going to be like, oh, I got you, or like, there's no answer to this. No, don't. Don't. Say, that's a great question. Give them, give them the benefit. Hey, thanks for asking me the question. And that's a great question. And that deserves a great answer. I think this... I want to do some studying on that. Would you let me get back to you and then really go back, do your studying, go back to them again and say, hey, remember when we were talking about that? You asked me this. This is what I think, right? And I asked my pastor, I asked my youth pastor or whatever. And because people will be like, wow, hey, thank you, you know? And they might not agree. A lot of people, they don't want to hear any answer they don't agree with, yeah. right? But love should definitely say the truth. And so, like, because so, I posted something on my Instagram story, and someone who's transgender, like, basically messaged me and was like, "I'm confused," and you could tell like they wanted to know and they like were genuinely interested mm-hmm. in it, but like, at the end they were like, "I don't care about God. I don't care if they like if he loves me or mm-hmm. this." It's like I know I can tell like 
he he or she, well, I don't know yeah. wants help, but I don't know how to help them if they're not. Well, like, do you, you know what I was going to say, um, Micah? Is a lot of times the very people that say "Don't touch me," I don't want a hug. The thing that they really want is a hug, right? And so we need to know when to wrap our 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 arms around somebody and to say, "Hey, we love you." And I know you're you're pushing back like you don't care, but I don't really think that's true. Mm-hmm. And and when you said they're confused, that's exactly what they are. And and is God the author of confusion? No. no. So who is the author of confusion? Say. The devil. That's exactly right. And he makes us dim to doubt what God has said. And that creates the confusion. So how did Jesus fight? He said it is written and people will say i don't care about the bible i don't believe in that why are you quoting that and they want you to quit quoting it and you respond with but it is written and you keep quoting it they want to take the word of god out of your mouth and you will lean into it and you're planting seeds too so just know that you may not necessarily see the fruit of that conversation but just trust that the Lord is going to use that conversation to, to impact their heart. And at some point, everything functions like a seed in the kingdom of heaven. At some point, that seed is going to produce fruit. And the question will be is, for them, that they'll have to answer is, are they going to see the fruit and walk towards that? Or are they going to push it away, throw it away, and walk away from it? So, so you're, just by speaking truth, you're planting a little seed. And just trust that the Lord's going to take that seed. And, and what does he say? He said, the seed, as small as a, as a mustard seed, a really tiny seed, that, that type of seed, uh, if you just have enough faith like that, you can move mountains. And it's interesting, that mustard seed creates a mustard tree, which is a huge tree. And, and that, it's, it's, the, it's the fruit that many times if you planted a mustard seed, you may never see that tree come to fullness. I mean, it'll take years for that tree to grow, but somebody's going to see the fruit. There will be fruit to that tree or to that seed being planted. And just know that the Lord, he works the same way in the hearts. You, you know, just you speaking truth, it is written. Yeah, they may not like it in the moment, but at some point that seed's going to take hold. So cool. Thank you. Thank you, Ava. Appreciate it. Okay, for being on. Yeah. We've got another guest stepping up. All right. So tell us your name, your campus, where you're from, and then what's your question? Hi, my name's Janessa. I'm from the Noblesville campus. Yay, Noblesville. Janessa. And um, last, it was about last summer, and I got the verse of the day on the Bible app, and it was in Luke, and it was very amazing. I can't remember what it was, but it compelled me to start, just start at Luke, right where I was, the very beginning of Luke and go on to the end of the Bible, to Revelation. Um, and once I finished that um, this year, I've started going back to Genesis. So I haven't completely read all of the Bible, but I've Yeah, read but you've read a lot yeah. more than a lot of Christians <laughs> yes. have. Good job. And so every morning I've been reading out of Genesis. And so I'm currently on Genesis 30. But I just want to ask, so I know you guys talked about the fall of Lucifer, but do we actually know when the fall of Satan happened, because in the Garden of Eden, it says that the garden was perfect. And, um, but we know that Satan was the serpent that tempted Eve. So, but Lucifer used to be an angel. So do we know when Lucifer and the other 300 angels fell? So like the time between the creation story and the Garden of Eden. That's a good question. So one thing that we do know is Jesus said what about Satan when he 
was talking to Satan. He said, I saw you fall like lightning from where? From heaven to? Hell. Well, earth. Earth, yeah. Okay? So we, we have to know earth was created, right? right. So, so it would have been after the creation. So we have to assume at some point there was, there was uh, Lucifer. He was, he was good. He was in right standing. And then his pride welled up in his heart. He revolted against God. God cast him out of heaven and he went, and he went to earth. Now, I think there's multiple theories on that. And here's something that I've, I've always wondered. Now, Nathan may disagree with this a little bit. But I, I think that, like, Adam and Eve, they, were, they knew God. They walked with God in the cool of the day is what the, garden, yeah. is, is what the Bible says in the garden. How could a serpent, like something that they didn't know or have any relationship with, how could it have pulled them away and tempted them that that... That simply, you know, hey, did God really say, well, I would have to believe that Adam and Eve had a little bit more sense than that. They were, Adam was able to name all of the animals that were created. He was very wise. Like there's, there's everything about Adam up until that point, you would say he's very wise. Like he's, he's doing exactly what God made him do. So all of a sudden this little serpent comes in and, and, and tempts them and they fall. Like I, that's hard for me to, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. But then I started diving into angelology and, and what are angels there for? They're there to serve man. God uses angels to come and minister to us. They minister to man. If God created out of the whole creation, there's only one being that's made in the image of God. And that's us as humans, not angels, not animals. Nothing else is made in the image of God. The, the pinnacle, the masterpiece, we, Ephesians 2 says, we are God's masterpiece. Right? So if God had this masterpiece called humans, who do you think he's going to get to serve the humans? He's going to get his best angels. Well, who were some of his best angels? Well, Lucifer. But if Lucifer had this idea of, I am the bright you know, morning star, I am this, this shining you know, superstar of heaven, and God makes earth, he's giving it to man. I've served God for how many eons since I've been created? Who does God think he is giving it to man well, if God says, hey, Lucifer, I want you to go down and serve, and serve Adam and Eve now. I mean, can you imagine the pride that would well up in his heart right there? Yeah. I think personally, now again, this is speculation. There's, I'm just looking at it in the context of creation. And you may be able to go back, Nathan, and kind of say, well, here's, here's where you know, I disagree with you on this. But I think God called Lucifer to serve Adam and Eve. And the serpent, they knew Adam and Eve knew the serpent. They trusted the serpent. The serpent was there. Um, and had had talked with them in the past. I don't think there's indication that that you know there's you you could say one way or the other that it was a it was a new thing. Yeah. I think I think you could make the you could make the argument that they knew the serpent. Yeah. And if if Lucifer had that pride welling up in his heart, because gosh, this earth should be mine. I should rule over it, not not man. Well, what's he going to do? He's going to try to get man to rebel against God, just like he got a third of the angels to rebel against God. Yeah. And so I think there was a relationship there with the serpent. And again, that's, that's just kind of something. A that- moment for rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing is I think the only other time we actually hear in the Bible of an animal speaking is the man that was beating his donkey. Balaam. And it says, yes. Mm-hmm. And it says that um, God opened the mouth of the donkey but that yeah, he loosed, the, he loosed the tongue. Yes, loosened yeah, the tongue. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, I think you can make the argument that animals could speak in 
Oh, in, yeah. in the Garden of Eden. I think, I think, uh, you, I think it's a lot like Narnia. I think, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think it really is. I think God actually was able, or I think he allowed the animals to speak to Adam and Eve. And because what's a loose tongue? A loose tongue the is, opposite a, of it. is what's the opposite of it? It's a tied up tongue, mm-hmm. right? And so after the fall, if the tongues of animals became tied, what did, what did God do with Balaam's donkey? He loosed the tongue. So I think there's a evidence that you, you'll actually see, and then the serpent obviously talked yeah. to Adam and Eve. I don't think it was straight. Like, don't you think it'd be a little weird if like the serpent comes up and starts talking to you yeah. and no, none of the other animals talk to you? Like you'd be like, mm, this is weird. Why is yeah, the serpent? But I think, I think animals talked. And I think they will in the new heaven and the new earth. I, I'm looking forward to it. I really do think it's going to be a lot like Narnia. And so, yeah. so there we go. Now, okay, rebuttal. Okay, so, let's, so, let's, let's hear your, I, your weak I, uh, arguments. Okay, so <laughs> my opinion, first off, I think it's a great question, and I admire you reading the Bible. I, I mm. want to just continue to tell you, just keep doing that. So what a great, what a great thing that Thank is. Thank you. Um, okay, so I have a couple hiccups, and I've been on yeah. different sides of this at different points in my life where I'm trying to figure that thing out, and I'd read different books, on, and, yeah. and it would maybe explain something. So um, one of the questions that, that gets br- brought up is I, I, I was in, um, I was in uh, a place called Vanuatu, and oh. I was doing a, a missions trip there. It Isn't was, she the lady that did the uh, Wheel of Fortune? She would no, that's not, no, that, that, was, that, that was not Vanuatu. Oh, that's but, Vanna White. But, oh, yeah, sorry. Right. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Close. So uh, when I was there, I met one of the premier creation um, scientists, the young oh, earth yes. creation scientists, and, um, and he was a professor, and and. And I actually believed that probably Lucifer fell before the creation of the earth, maybe after oh. the creation of heaven, and then and then somewhere there, like I had some confusion on timelines. Yeah. And he just took me back to the word and he said this. He said, okay, tell me what the Bible says. And I said, okay. And he said, okay, now when he had made all of these things, then he found one thing that wasn't good, and and he found that man was alone. Yeah. So he made a helper woman. for him, right? Made woman, and God looked upon all oh. that he had made, and behold, it was very all good. very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, now were angels created at that time? Were they created already? Yes. yes. Were humans created already? Yes. yes. Were, were all of creation, all six days of creation, was everything created? Was everything done? Yes. And God looked upon all that he had made, and behold, it was oh. all very good. Is it possible we had Adam and Eve on the earth at the same time that we have Lucifer as a worshiping morning star, a loving God, and it was all very good at that point? Is it possible, then, that the fall of Lucifer happens after Adam and Eve? When Adam and Eve has been told to go and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Mm-hmm. And we, we have no idea how long that they were doing that before the fall happened. We know exactly how old Adam was whenever he dies. We know exactly mm-hmm. how old Adam was when, when he begins to beget children. We, we have that in all the genealogy. That's how we know about how long humans have been on the earth, about yeah. 6,000 years. But, but that, that thing, he said, Nathan, what did... What does all mean? And I said, all. Everything, yeah. And, he, and, and there's a verse in the end of Job mm-hmm. where it talks about the bright morning stars 
and they are worshiping together. So, so we, a lot of times we classify things as angels. And I think we were kind of talking about this when you came down to Kentucky with your parents and were yes. helping me. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, um, it was about whether or not, um, who, who are the people that get called the morning stars? What is a right. morning star? And what is a son of God? And is a son of God different than an angel? Yeah. And and what is it that they exactly do? Right. And classifications. Classifications, yeah. right? Angels, yeah. And but it but but you were in Eden, the garden of God, right. where the morning stars worship together. That's in the end of Job. Mm-hmm. So that got me thinking. Was that maybe everybody was worshiping together? In Eden, the Garden of God, yeah. Or and and then there's theologians, and they argue over yeah. is Eden the same thing as the Garden of Eden? Like oh, you know, yeah. there's a lot of speculation, and we might not fully know. And they're fun conversations to have. Mm-hmm. I probably, I I don't believe like what kind of Micah said there. I might have a hard time with that. That we replace the devil. I don't buy that. The devil or Lucifer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't say we replaced him. Well, <laughs> I just said that he was looking to rule and reign, and God didn't give him that. I don't think it was a replacement. Oh, you, just, you, you used to say that at one time. No, that's not true. No, didn't you so, say that? No. I never once thought that we replaced. I, but I Psalm 82 said, says that there were gods, other gods, the Elohims that God did create that were ruling. They were bad rulers. And okay, so I'm you sorry could, if I mis if I misrepresent yeah. you, I apologize. I thought yeah. that you had told me that you thought that that we as worshipers have have been replacing no. Lucifer as a worshiper. I thought I heard you say that. No, once. no, no. Okay, no, so I forgive didn't. me, forgive me. Okay, I I do think though that that I, I think that angels I, I, are definitely we're going to rule angels. Mm-hmm. Whether we will rule the sons of God. As sons of God, I'm not sure about it. It's a different question. Because yeah. it could be different categories, yeah. right? If the sons of God were over the nations and the angels are a different category in the servants of God, then I don't know exactly. But those are, and, and he brings up Psalm 82 and that one right there. If you haven't read the, read the Unseen Realm, by uh, Dr. My- Michael Hyatt, isn't that his mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a really interesting book on yeah. this particular idea. So great question. Yeah, Thank I, you great guys. question. But so, I mean, we pretty much agree because I I would agree with your timeline that Satan fell after Adam and Eve okay, had already see, been created. I think I yeah. misunderstood yeah. your position. So if, yeah, so we. So I just think I just, I think, just think, think God I, would have put Lucifer in the garden to serve Adam and Eve, right? And I think that burned. Lucifer, I think that's where his pride started welling up is because I think he wanted that spot that Adam and Eve were given. Well, it's interesting because he says, I will lift up my throne. Yep. So where's he going to go to? He says, I'm going to go up to the recesses of, of, the, of the mountain of mm-hmm. assembly, right? Yeah. So it sounds like his throne is on earth and he wants to take his throne from earth. He's a, he, he's a guy who sits in thrones, which makes sense that he's a principality of some kind. Yeah. Right, he's maybe one of the sons of God. Yeah. Right, one of one of these one of the Elohim's. Elohim's. Right, yeah. and then he he goes up and 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 he says, "I want, but I want to go from where I am. I want to evolve upward, and I want a seat God didn't give me. Yep. I want a better seat." And he says, "I will be like the Most High." For him to say, "I want to be like the Most High," mm-hmm. it means that he must have thought somehow. 
God became God. Somehow God evolved into God, and I can too. I think there's the deception, and which is why I think he uses evolution in the world, because evolution is another deception that somehow I could evolve. And, And the truth is, I used to wear a T-shirt around when Christian T-shirts were everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Time. And I had one that says, there's two short things in life. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you're not him. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I used to have a shirt that said, Calvinism, this, I chose, or this shirt chose me. Arminianism, <laughs> I chose this shirt. <laughs> uh, that's a great question, Janessa. Great question. Thank you so Good much. Job. Thank you so much. So, All right, next question. Stepping on up to the microphone. Okay, name, campus, and then what's your question? My name is Noah, and I'm from the Noblesville campus. Woo, Noblesville! So my question is, well, a little uh, context before. I feel like I have been called to go into the film industry. Oh, wow. Because that's, uh, I've always had an interest in films. I've always, I write some stories and scripts, to be honest. Cool. But the thing is, what I feel like is I do want to honor God. I do want to show God through my life as a Christian in my work and basically through my life. But at the same time, I feel like I'm being approached and being called and I'm kind of being pulled in the direction of doing the movies that, you know, God and Jesus probably wouldn't approve of. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of drawn in between because that's, it's just kind of a thing that, especially now, like the film industry needs more Christians and faith. uh, Yeah, amen. Yeah. So so I used to be in the uh, music industry. So this was a kind of a common question, especially among Christians, because we're, we're making art. And sometimes it was like, well, you could go Christian music and sing songs directly about God and our faith in Christ Jesus. Or you could go into the, what we would call the secular industry and make music with secular artists and then try to be a light for you know, the, the Lord in a dark world. But one of the things scripture tells us to do, it says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So no matter what industry you're in, whether you're the film industry, music industry, business, like church world, whatever it is, whatever you do, the Lord says, do it all as you're doing it unto me. So no matter what I, I I think it's okay to go into the secular industry when it comes to filmmaking or music making, but just know that if God wouldn't approve of it, it doesn't matter if it's Christian or non-Christian, if God doesn't approve of it, then change. He wants you to, he wants you to do things that he approves of. He's made you, equipped you. So everything you do, you should do as unto the Lord is what scripture says. So if you can't stand before the Lord with your, with your creation and and film and say, Lord, I I did this and and I I did it. And ultimately I wanted it to honor you. Now, does it have to be, you know, a hundred percent like the gospel laid out? No, it could just be a, it could just be a story about, you know, life and things somebody goes through and it could, and it could deal with some real hard issues too. Like it's not necessarily like you have to keep it PG, but, but at the same time, you really want to make sure that you could stand before the Lord and say, Lord, this is an offering, a gift that you gave me. I turned it into this and now I'm giving it back to you. And if you can't do that, I would say you're probably on the wrong, the wrong path. So whether it's Christian film or non-Christian film, I don't think that's the question. The question is, is it heartily done as unto the Lord? Yeah, I think it's a great answer. Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, do you do you think that God is calling you? I do feel like that. I mean, it's just ever since I can remember, I've always been fascinated with movies. I've always been fascinated with stories. And, 
Yeah. I definitely feel like that's something that I've been put on in my life from yeah. God. Okay, so really what you're doing is you're a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Okay, you might use the, the, the visual way of being a storyteller, but Jesus was a storyteller, right? He yes. told all things, and there was a point we quit teaching in normal manner, and he began to just tell them parables and stories, right? And, and so he almost hid the truth right there in plain sight, and only those who had spiritual understanding would really pick up on it, right? And so, you know, that, I think, pleases God. I think that God can give you creativity, Noah. You know, he's, he's the author of creativity. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit created all things. So when you're being creative, you are a kind of a chip off the old block. You're doing, you're doing what your father did and, what, and, what, what, and has, he, he made creation. So I think that's really, it's a, it's a powerful thing. The question is, are you going to use a talent that God has given you for his glory? Are you going to use it for your glory or are you going to use it for his? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think there's like some of the most talented people, musicians, whatever, they've been used. They've got the stage presence. They've got the, the voice. They've got the moves. They've got all this stuff but they want to draw attention to themselves with it. I think you have to ask yourself things about the heart, your heart. Why am I doing this? Is this so that I get wealthy? Is this so I get notoriety? What's the purpose of it? And how can I use this for the glory of God? And God might show you exactly you know, how to do that. But here's the other thing I want to say. There's other people that will tell you you'll never get ahead doing it this way. And there will be a lot of people who go, well, I'll just do it like the world's way so I can get recognized in my field. Mm-hmm. But the Bible, there's a verse that stands out in my life, and, it, and, it, and it's this. I will open doors that no one can shut. I will shut doors that no one can open. And I've had that come back to me over and over and over again. If I'm doing what God's called me to do, people can stand in my way. Circumstances can stand in my way. It won't stop me. Somehow, the Lord will get glory for opening a door that everybody else tried to shut it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess. So, so just really hold on to your to hold on to that dream. If the dream is from the Lord, and you're going to use it for His glory, then how do you use that talent? Because as Rush Limbaugh used to say, it's talent on loan from God. He's mm-hmm. given it to you, but He's going to ask you, "What did you do with it?" And how did you how did you grow it, and and to what purpose? Ultimately, it's to give it back to the master who gave it to you. So, be true to to the gift giver, and not true to the gift. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes total sense. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Good. Man. Well, hey man, hey, we wish I you love well. it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see what God does. Through your gifts. Yeah, so. very interested in myself, too. Do you have, like, a website or place? that Have you done any videos or movies or anything no, like that? I've actually been trying to find out uh, something I could do, uh, no budget, with some friends. Uh, so I'm just trying to figure out, like, what story works. What uh, Are you participating with Pastor Daniel in doing... doing uh, you know, video editing and things like that. We've got all kinds of ideas we'd love yeah. to use, but we need young people who could pull it off. I'm interested. <laughs> you should talk to Pastor Daniel. We'll, we'll sign you up. We'll get you. We'll get you up there and getting getting you, uh, you know, making things come to life because we've got plenty of ideas. We'd love to That's see right. you guys run with it and develop let's, your skills. Let's yeah. get you plugged in. Yeah, that'd be all awesome. Right. Cool. All right, thanks, Noah. 
All right. Next guest stepping oh, on up to the microphone. Here we go. We have, uh, a, I think this is going to be exciting. This is going to be a good question. I can feel it right now. Give us your name and what campus you're from and then your question. So uh, my name is Bella. Isabella. Oh. Isabella. Really, Micah? Is a, really? Isabella. Is, a, is a that not your name? <laughs> oh. oh, you're so funny. Ah, this funny. one's spunky. I like that spunkiness. <laughs> go ahead. My name's Isabella. Um, I'm from the Noblesville campus. Yay, Noblesville! Um, Mike, I have a, like, a really important question for you specifically. Mm, I feel like this is going to be sarcastic, but go for it. What's the most humane <laughs> way to eat an animal cracker? I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> uh, that was a really fast question. Say that again. I heard animal cracker and then how much I weigh. <laughs> what, did, what did you say? <laughs> or maybe I'm just thinking about beating Nathan at this weight loss competition. Which will never happen. Okay, <laughs> what is it now? What's the most humane way to eat an animal cracker? Oh, you bite its head off. You I, totally bite its head off. I I I one hundred percent agree with I know. the answer. That I mean that kills sense. it quickly. That's right. You don't want it to suffer. I mean, I could amputate its legs. It's a uh, cracker, Micah. Cracker. It doesn't matter. It has feelings. I do. I feel like in I, I like to ascribe feelings to inanimate objects. Like when I'm cutting the grass, I'm thinking of all the like the the blades Help! of grass being like, no, don't cut me, no. And I'm like the wrath of God being like, I'm gonna cut you and destroy you <laughs> and blow you in yeah. the wind. <laughs> and then I'm gonna throw the clippings into the fire, and you will be burned. <laughs> Bella's over here like she's like I don't have I want to go to a new church somebody help me I need an adult I need an adult okay hey is that your uh, is that your only question that was a good question yeah but the really surprising thing is uh, you're also an adult right <laughs> yeah but I don't play one on TV all right. <laughs> Thank you, Bella. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bella. Uh, yes. All right. Now we've got... Thank you for giving me your ice cream yesterday. Hey. Woohoo! Hey, Bella, get a sticker. Did you get a sticker already? Did you get a sex and politics? You have one? Okay. She's got it on She's her water it. bottle. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Thanks for the flamingo. Jesus, sex and politics sticker. If you don't have Good one, three. message us, and we'll get you one. They're the coolest stickers in the world. Oh, boy. It's Here me it and Nathan comes. riding a pink flamingo. Oh, my gosh. You said that to Liddy. <laughs> Liddy is sitting uh, yeah. there right now. Our next guest on the podcast, our good friend, he's been on the show before, but I don't think Nathan was here when he was on the no, show. No, no, you tried to replace me and probably gave him my line. Dave Liddy. Grief, Welcome man. to the show, David. Thank you, thank you very How much. How are you? There's armpit hair. Who's, got, <laughs> who's the guy with the armpit hair? <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably me. Is that, is that him? I think uh, I'm, I'm technically supposed to be the one in the back. So yeah. Micah's armpit hair. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. That was just, that was Obscene. a winter time. So, his I, don't really uh, no, I mean, yeah, I grow it out. Wait, 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 watch this, watch this, Dave. Yeah. Watch this. Well, uh, Micah, can you tell me the spiritual understanding of the sticker? Okay, so give me this. Give me a sticker, David. I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, here we go. So it's Nathan and I on a pink flamingo. So here's the deal. So Nathan is driving the pink flamingo with. He's he's doing. He has Christmas lights as reins, right? Well, the Christmas lights represent Christ. Okay, the light of Christ. Now the pink flamingo. You'll notice he's wearing a a Christmas hat, like a Santa hat. Well, that recognizes that Jesus is at the top. He's at the head, not the bottom, right? And then now flamingos. I don't know if you know this about flamingos or not. Flamingos aren't actually pink. They eat pink crustaceans, mm -hmm. which turns them pink. Yep, I did okay? not know that. So that's why they get. That's where they get their pinkness. So they're digesting and turning what they the color of what they eat. 
if you digest, the flamingo represents the word of God. So if you digest the word of God, you're going to start looking <laughs> like the word. Wait, what's the word of God? The crustaceans? No, well, the, yeah, the, yeah, the crustaceans. But, but then you will look like, <laughs> but then you will look like the word of God. You'll be like okay. a flamingo, okay? Right. And now Nathan's driving the flamingo. I'm in the back because Nathan is the lead pastor, okay? I'm, uh, I'm in the supporting role. Gotcha. All right, having a good time. You got the coffee mug that I'm raising up, okay? And then we are, if you notice the pink flamingo, he's wearing cowboy boots. Mm. And that's because the it's devil so thick. is a serpent. <laughs> okay, so when the devil comes and tries to bite you, you got your cowboy boots on to withstand the woes and the, and the arrows is, of the is devil. Is this seriously the actual interpretation? Or I mean, I think, I, think, I think it works. <laughs> okay. All right. That's awesome. Uh-oh. So, Dave, how's it going, man? Sorry, that never gets old. <laughs> I was going Dave, great. Where were you last night when the young people were asking questions about evolution and you are our resident evolution creation guy and you weren't here to answer? What was so important, Dave? Dave he, what was Nathan so even, important? Nathan even called I you said, out from the Liddy? stage. Is Liddy here? Liddy can answer this question. Oh, no. He's texting me because he's not there. What was so important? What you got in life worth living for that took you away from the truth <laughs> conference like, last night? My grandma had surgery. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> are you finished? Go ahead. All right. Okay, I've got two pastors of the four campuses, right? I'm going to blame this on the third pastor, Mike's <laughs> wife, Donya, who didn't tell me to stay. She's like, we, we didn't oh. have a concrete conversation. Donya! <laughs> so that would be your Where's sister, Donya? Pastor so, Nathan. So my sister yes. failed you. Yes, she did. So she you're blaming you. a woman. That is technically your response. I think that yeah, works. Pa- yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a good and, idea. And you're smart enough not to blame <laughs> your wife. You'll blame somebody else's wife. That's correct. Hey. And Donya's well. not here to say anything. <laughs> Dave, well, there comes his, there comes her oh, husband. Oh, Donya's husband. There, Mike is walking up <laughs> you like, I have to defend I'm her. I'm going to defend my wife's honor. <laughs> so that's awesome. Hey, Dave, uh, tell us a little bit about how you defend against, uh, or how do you defend creationism against evolutionism? All right, honestly, this is a walk of mine with, uh, with God and my wife trying to teach me patience. I do not have patience to deal with people that believe in stupid stuff. <laughs> and I say that to say, that in, um, and I shared some of this with the, some of the kids in groups yesterday. When I was in eighth grade, um, I had a biology teacher or something said, here, you need to write a paper, and it's going to be on evolution, and you've got to write on the missing link. And I'm like, what's the missing link? And he's like, well, go study. It's Piltdown Man. Piltdown Man back in the day was something they used to confirm uh, evolution from monkey to man. So I went, and this was back in 1988. It's funny because Nathan was talking about 8888. He's 11 years old. He said, I was doing all the math. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm older than him. Because it was like eighth grade. You for look me. older than me. Do I look older, Mike? Oh yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, but really? see, the fact that you're still yeah. wearing that very <laughs> even same Lucas, beard that you Lucas were wearing twenty years ago doesn't even know you, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, yeah, you're like you're like super Wait, old." One of the so. one of the youth came up to me yesterday and said, "Thank you for rocking the um, what was it uh, uh, the Iron Man? What's his name?" Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. Thanks for rocking the Tony Stark, you know, stash thing going on. I was like, thanks. Yeah, that's good, Thank man. You. I thought it was good. You don't have gray hairs, though. That's I do good. have gray. Do you? Yeah, oh, look at that. But do I really look older than Nathan? I mean, Absolutely. Look, what does bro, this have to do with the guy? transitional bro. species? All right, my bad. All right. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, we're going back to eighth grade. 
So anyway, the, I had to write this paper. Well, then I go to the, our library. I don't think we have libraries anymore, but I went to library. Oh, we do. Mike is on uh, a library board. I, I am, which Are ticked off a me? ton of liberals in oh, Hamilton oh, County. Made oh, they on to the front page, page of the of Indy, the, of the Indy Star. I wouldn't be mad. I'd be laughing like there's libraries. That's what, right. what board does a library? <laughs> They're mad because wow. I'm going to keep pouring out of the hands of little kids. Yeah, can you imagine stupid. how heinous uh, that is? They just, don't get me started yeah. on pornography in schools and all that. Anyway, so what happened was... I go to study, I go to the library, get some encyclopedias, come to find out Piltdown Man was found to be a fraud in 1955, but it was still my book in 1988. But Piltdown Man was found in like England in the 1920s. The guy was lying because he wanted to sound cool because he'd write a white paper to look cool in front of his buddies. But in 1955, it was a fraud. And I went to my teacher and said, why are you having me write a, a paper on evolution about something that's been found to be a fraud? So it kind of hit me personally, like, what else am I being lied to about in school? So then, starting eighth grade, I started figuring everything. out all this other thing. Yeah, a lot. Everything. So that's, that was my start. So then, ever since then, I've, you know, traveling around the world, living in Africa, working in Venezuela and China, different places. You get exposed to different things, different places. You get to find different things. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not taught this in America, or this is being taught. And so I put it all together. I started, um, I started teaching uh, creation versus evolution. But what was interesting, through the campus over there at Eagle Creek, I start a life group. But then uh, uh, Pastor Frederick Boyd, and there's an interesting story that Mike has got with that guy. But he found me, calls me up, and he runs an organization, uh, Creation Evidence Expo, and he asked me to start speaking. So I start speaking, and I end up meeting a lot of the guys. I've got some books here. I meet and speak with a lot of these guys that have written books for years. Dr. Jerry Bergman, Bruce Malone, all these guys, and now I'm speaking with these guys. Amazing stuff. And what's interesting is the stuff I bring to the table, my experiences, some of the places I've been. Um, it's funny because some of these guys write about it, but they're like, wait a minute, you swam with the silicon fish down in South Africa? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's where I got my scuba diving license. I'm like, what? I've written about that. So we have great conversations. It's absolutely awesome. Um, and then one big one, I, when I learned about atavism, basically black people giving birth to white kids and white people giving birth to uh, black kids, I learned about atavism by being in South Africa. And that's a subject matter that Jerry Bergman has never touched. Bruce Malone's never touched. A lot of these other guys I speak with, uh, man, oh, God, I'm trying to remember Dr. Um, he's a big one. He's from Anderson, Dr. Weil, Jay Weil. You know, a lot of these guys, they've never even t touched it. So when I start speaking on it, they're like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Let's get more into that. So basically, brothers and sisters in law getting together, sharing their experiences from around the world, their education. It's been, I absolutely love it. Now, my problem is I have to be more patient. We talk about the Lord, you know, walking in love and all that. I have, I, it's really hard for me to walk in love when you look at the evidence around you and they've been teaching opposite of that or making kids, write, you know, write, you study stuff that isn't true. I have a real problem with that. Yeah. So I'm working through that. Last night when we were doing the Q&A, Dave, um, I really wish you would have been there because you should have seen, like, we would, we would ask the questions that they texted into us, but as soon as we got on the evolution, dinosaurs, fossils, stuff like that, the kids' hands went up all over the place. I they am had, sorry I missed it. They had a ton of questions. And, I mean, I think that's just the reality of where our young people are today. If they start there and they have not heard a good answer for that, then then it causes them to come to the Bible and doubt everything they're seeing because Agreed. they're like, but but that's not 66 million years in the Jurassic area and, or era. And 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 so it, 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 it are really has to be answered we have to address Amen. these questions because you know our whole theology begins in genesis amen it's the foundation of all that we believe 
And I had a good conversation. You have a, a young man here. Actually, Micah would know him. Brockton? The yeah, Brockton. The red-headed, yeah. pasty mm-hmm. white guy. So he... <laughs> which, by He's the way... Irish. It's okay. Yeah. Leave him alone. It's a great mutational uh, thing about biology. It was really cool. But he said... <laughs> I was like, how'd you end up here? And he's like, all through Micah, and we, you know, remember some things or whatever. But he and I had some conversations. He, he graduated Purdue. Uh-huh. And he was talking about being in some biology class. And he couldn't even, they couldn't even broach the idea of creationism. Couldn't even, couldn't even bring it up. And he was talking about basically being, you know, chastised, castigated, all that, by just even, even mentioning it in his biology class. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there's, cool conversation. There's, a, uh, there's totally a movement to undermine creationism. But... There's also a movement to undermine and silence truth. And so I just think anytime people are trying to, to put some uh, a theory down that hard, there's probably some evidence that there, it's true. And uh, Because, you know, it, this is what I've learned. We're at the Truth Conference here uh, at Noblesville Life Church. We, truth doesn't need to, like, it doesn't, it doesn't need much to win the end of the day. You just have to get it out, right? Amen. And it'll just, it'll just win. All right, because that's what truth does. Lies, in order for lies to win, they have to suppress the truth. It'll win, but it might tick a lot of people off on the way to win. It's just, people get angry. That's true. So, so in order to, yeah, it's kind of like uh, in Was it Goebbels George, that you quoted yesterday? Je- uh, Joseph tell, Goebbels. Yeah. You tell, no, tell, the Nazis. Tell, tell lies. If so you tell lies long enough, mm-hmm. it becomes the truth. That's good. That's exactly right. Uh, that's, I think, uh, I think uh, Eric Metaxas in his new book, um, Letters to the American Church, was talking about that. Um, Goebbels and and uh, and how the Nazis got their propaganda to to stick, but yep. well, it's good, man. Well, I have a I do have a theological question now. Yeah. Ooh, oh, great. This question. is called Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Correct. That's, that's true. With Micah Beck with Nathan Peter. You're just reading the sign right I now. I am reading the sign. <laughs> so my question is: Do angels have penises? <laughs> wow. Nathan's not even laughing. Look, his, his mind's turned, and he's like, I'm going to answer this question. Okay. Did you ever see the movie Dogma? <laughs> Never. Don't watch. Don't watch it. Yeah. Okay. Because okay, that's I'll, terrible. I'll answer this question, but it's going to make my mother mad. Sweet. Okay. Where's you ready? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I guess we're done here. That's it. That's my answer. Micah, do you have a rebuttal at all? I think it's cooler if they do, so I'm going to say yes. So... Okay. Angels look like men in the Bible for the most part. And if they have uh, bodies like men, I tend to believe that if they were to lift their skirt, they have the rest okay. of the body. Like but here's, here's what I would disagree. So, here's, oh, here's, oh. here's maybe where I disagree here a little bit. Go, here we go. Because if, if we're made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and that's our body, do angels look like us? Does God have and, and Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway... <laughs> But you were going I would there. I would say this. I would say this. How do the sons of God have sexual relations with the daughters of men if they don't have reproductive organs? Say, okay? say penis, Mike. Just say it. <laughs> I, I don't want to be I don't want to say offensive things ever. You guys can you can edit this <laughs> podcast, right? It's all pre recorded. Yeah, we can. You can we'll cut can. this you, whole you piece just out. gave him an extra half hour of That's work. right, yeah. Well well done. <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, all I have to say, I, I think they I think they they do. Um, All right, both yeah. of you agree. Yeah. Apparently, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm cool. Disappointed. Did you think that that was going to be a hard question, yeah. <sighs> dude? There was a theory this between is... Pastor Mike and I where this conversation might go. No, I, told I knew this smelled like Pastor Mike. <laughs> no, 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 no. It he was not trying to die. No, he did not have anything room, to do with this. Throws a bomb, <laughs> walks go home to mommy, and yeah. walks away. Yeah. I just want well, to know. It's hard to get any word in with this clown. 
It was not Mike. I'm gonna. I, it was telling me. Now he, he told me what question are you gonna have, and I told him, and he started laughing really hard. That's oh, that's because he wanted you. He, to oh ask yeah, him. he was. Th- he's so he totally thankful. wanted you to ask him. You know, I'm glad you said that word right in front of his 13 year old son here. So 14, 14, 13, huh? 13, 13. Okay, my nephew. All right, you came. You came back. Do you have an actual question this time? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay, so people are like. Uh, you hear God off of his word, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering how you guys hear God, and then I'm wondering what's the most common way to hear God? Like, what's most common for other people to hear God? Like, what have you heard? I, I would say the number one most common way to hear God is to read his word. But if you read his word, like, say I was like, where do you want me to mission to? And I just open up the Bible, and it's right there. But like, Okay, did you ever hear about the kid, but, who, the, 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 the man who no. started opening up the Bible and pointing to verses? This is not a method we recommend. Because you the guy, and he goes, you know, and he opens it up, and it says, Judas went and hung himself. And then he's like, oh, okay, close the book, and he opens it up, and he points his finger and says, go and do thou likewise. That is not the way to hear from God. Well, okay? then whenever people say you hear it from God's word, what does that mean? Well, I think that, first off, what is the Bible? What do you believe the Bible is? Ethan? It's a book. Oh, no, is it just any book? No, it's... Is it... Is it special? No, well, okay, how's it special? Tell me, tell me about the book. Um, normally, people, like, it's the first, like, history book, technically. No? Uh, no. Okay. How many people wrote the Bible? You should know this. You're a pastor's kid. I'm sorry. Okay, 40 different <laughs> authors. How many years <laughs> did it take to write it? How many years failure. did it take to write it? 1,600 years. 40 authors over the course of 1,600 years written in three languages. It's the number one best-selling book in the history of all books ever. And what is the Bible, though? The Bible is... It is, uh, it is, it's the standard of faith and practice. It is God's word. We believe that it, contain, it, it doesn't just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. It is so that we can know God, right? Anybody who wants to tell me about Jesus, and yet it doesn't reflect what Jesus, the, the accounts of Jesus are, how, how, could, how could that be true? The Bible is a very, very special book. So when we reach into the word of God, God is telling us things about his character. The Bible follows the Jewish people. It follows the Israelite nation. And it says, and this guy knew God, and here's how he knew God. This guy knew God, here's how he knew God. He calls God this name because God revealed himself this way. We're getting all these people's testimony coming together to talk about God. All the prophecy is ultimately ending up in who is is Jesus Christ. The whole thing is centered around Jesus Christ. And and it tells us our purpose in life. It tells us what we're here for. It tells us what God wants to do in the world. And so when you're looking for direction and you have all of this that God says, then you start to ask that question. Are we in alignment with God's word? If you tell me my great desire in life is to go out and be a mass murderer, can I turn around and say, I don't really think that's what God wants for you? How would I do that? Because being a mass murderer goes against God's law. God doesn't want that. That's not his will in his way. So I could tell you, that's not God's will for your life. And here's why. Because God has said. When Jesus combats the devil, what does he say? He starts out every one of his answers with, 
it is written. What is Jesus quoting? The, the Bible. Bible. That's it. So you asked me what's the number one way that people can hear from God, and I would say the Bible. Secondly, I would say that the Holy Spirit leads us and shows us, and the Holy Spirit is God himself. He's third member of the Trinity, and he's every bit as much as God as God the Father and God the Son. So the Holy Spirit, he takes all the things that we've learned about Jesus, and he triggers in our memory an understanding of where we need that. That's what we call the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So people say, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying this to me. Now, can the Holy Spirit ever disagree with the Bible? No. No. He would never say anything opposite of God's word. Why? Because all those 40 different authors over the course of 1,600 years were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write those things down the way they wrote it down. So the Holy Spirit is also the author of the Bible, and the Holy Spirit's not schizophrenic. He doesn't disagree with himself. He, he knows, and so when he speaks, it's going to be in alignment with his word. Does that make sense? Yeah, one more yeah, question. So, like, I'm reading over the Bible sometimes, and then I read over the... Sometimes. you got to be doing yeah, it every day. Do it sometimes. No, every day. I try. You could do it more. I try. Okay, good. All right, anyway. And Saul slash Paul, whenever he gets blinded, when God actually comes to him, and right. then you see Mary, the angels actually come to him, anytime, like, the Holy Spirit actually shows himself to somebody, why doesn't he do it now? He does. But we never hear about it. I, I traveled to different places in the Middle East. And have and, we seen him? And P Jesus is showing up to people. They call him the man in white. And, or he, he, he shows up as light. We have Muslims that are giving their life to Jesus because Jesus is literally showing up in the Middle East. Hey. And he's revealing himself. And so we got Lucas Miles is coming on here, too. He just put the headphones on. He's got a great story. He just leaned over. He said, hey, you got a story. So, Lucas, welcome to Life Church. Great to have you, yes. man. Hey, and thank you. I read your book. <laughs> share the story, that. and we'll get to the book here in a little bit, but share the story about what Ethan just said. Yeah, so I actually, I was in a uh, meeting last night in Ohio, a church service, and a buddy of mine was preaching. And uh, during the meeting, I got an Instagram message from a guy I didn't know. And um, I started, uh, in a, you know, talking to him a little bit. And I didn't, I didn't friend him because, and I'll tell you why at the end of the conversation. But he said, uh, you know, I'm, I live in Saudi Arabia. I'm Muslim. I'm from Yemen. And he said, I've had dreams the last two nights about Jesus. And I've been searching through social media trying to find somebody to tell yep. me what they mean. So here's a guy who Jesus has appeared to in a dream. And he told me about the whole dream, what's going on. I was able to lead him to the Lord over you know, direct that message awesome. on Instagram wow. last night. And now we have, I, I'm in touch with an organization that helps because he, the last thing he said after he accepted Jesus, he goes, I, I want you to know that if my family finds out, they'll kill me. And he goes, would you pray that I would be brave? Wow. And so we're trying to get him some help. There's an organization that, that we do some work with that we're sending somebody to hopefully be able to, you know, maybe even evacuate him if need be uh, from this, get him the resources that he needs. And so it's certainly still happening today. Can Absolutely. you imagine Paul, how jealous he is right now? He had to walk like 40 miles to tell two people <laughs> about about Jesus <laughs> and like here you get a message just like in the convenience of your living room. And, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're like leading a guy to the world to the Lord halfway around the world and like cooking dinner like for your you know your family <laughs> well I mean you know what a tr we have churches on so many of the corners of America and in you you go over to Saudi Arabia and the amount of Christian believers 
Um, I, I just met with Dick Brogdon down in, you know, whenever I was in um, the UAE. Oh, no. that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the UAE. Okay. And all the different uh, missionaries came to us in the UAE. And, you know, he was, he was telling us how very often exactly what you yeah. described is actually happening. Yep. Because the amount of Christians in Saudi Arabia, he says, you know, they number in, you can number them by fifties and hundreds. Mm. There are so very few. Wow. And, and so they can't just go and have this. Can't go to a bookstore and get a Bible. Yeah, you have an honor killing that's going to go into play. Yep. And these people, I, I was just in, in East Africa uh, and I watched a guy who was born Muslim, who gave his life to Jesus and he's being baptized and they called in the superintendent to, to baptize this guy. Right. It was, it was such a big deal. And we couldn't hear what was being said, but it was the first time it struck me that the guy that I'm watching being baptized is going to die for his decision, mm. right? It just struck me differently. Yeah. And, wow. and that is, you know, these people are, they're making decisions for Jesus and we're complaining about stupid little stuff. And these people are giving their life for what they believe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's awesome. Well, Ethan, that's a great question, man. Thanks for uh, for asking that, and uh, and you redeemed yourself uh, after your first question. So yes, Ethan kicked all better. kicked off everything earlier, but that was a <laughs> that was a really good question. So thank Thanks, you, man. Ethan. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right, so we again we got Lucas here. Lucas, it's so good to have you at the Truth uh, Conference here in twenty twenty two Life Church. Oh, I turned the wrong one. Microphone I, I feel like by coming on the podcast, right? It's like the infinity rings, like the, our hair just combined. <laughs> and I when your powers right, combine, right I now, am Captain Planet. There is better hair on this podcast <laughs> than has ever been on a podcast before. Right. So I'm just going to oh, put that out there. Funny. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Uh, so Lucas, tell us about what you're going to be touching on tonight a little bit here at the Truth Conference yeah. and, and what's been going on in your world. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is, I think, my third time back to Life Church for various yeah. events and everything. That's so awesome. I, I haven't gotten kicked out yet. So that's a that's a plus. Um, got a lot of stuff happening. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been on a little mini book tour this weekend. I was out in Ohio at a couple spots uh, teaching uh, with a few churches out there and then uh, uh, landed here with you guys. Um, I have uh, um, coming up, we just sent down, our church just sent down a semi down to Florida, which was really cool to help awesome. out with some of the relief down there. Uh, and then I'm headed down to uh, the Tampa area here coming up uh, the first week of November, uh, teaching at about four or five different churches while I'm there, uh, just continuing to, to kind of help get the word out. And even right before the election, you know, just to, awesome. to get some rallying happen there. So um, got a new book coming out in April next year. I still can't announce oh, the title yet. On. But it is coming out through through uh, Humanics Newsmax, and so uh, that's cool. there. And uh, it's going to be an awesome. Know, title. Is it still going to be the same title that you told it me? Is. Yes, you oh, know the title, but oh, yes, man. I'm not supposed you to have say. You to tell it. me yeah. later. I'll tell you after. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for um, sure. Hey, I uh, read your the the, the Christian Left yeah. and totally really loved that book. I appreciate what a, that. What an understanding, you know, uh, living through part of that where you see them moving more and more progressively. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, you know, to the left. And and seeing how that took place, the way you laid that out, man, that was so well done. The other thing that I, I really loved, I got to hear you speak one, one evening for a God and Country event, and I really appreciated, um, Lucas, I, I appreciated your spirit because, you know, a lot of people can come at the other side very, very hard in a non-winsome way. Yeah. But you had such you know you bring truth but you did it with an incredible amount of grace i appreciate and that. that really 
I, 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 it was a, it was a clinic you put on in that. I appreciate that. I really, I really do. I appreciate that. Yeah, tonight I'm hoping to uh, uh, take the students through uh, a little bit of understanding. Uh, I'm going to kind of break down the difference between what I would call primary doctrine and secondary doctrine, and how we bring unity amongst other believers, and then how we also use that in order to uh, avoid the pitfalls of, of, you know, fallacies and heresy and, and, you know, false teaching and all that sort of thing that we can fall into. So that's at least where I'm intending to go right now. We'll see, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens that's when I cool. get up there. Hey, tell us real quick about what is, what's the Christian left all about? So your book that's out right now, yeah. give us a little synopsis. Yeah. So the Christian left, uh, it came out uh, this last year as number one, uh, bestseller on a couple categories in Amazon. Uh, it's in, uh, got a cover endorsement from, uh, governor Mike Huckabee, which I was really honored to have. Um, and I, I will say, you mentioned Metaxas. Metaxas is doing the cover endorsement on my new book oh, that is cool. coming out wow. uh, next year. So Amazing. we're excited about that as well. Um, and so the Christian left really goes into um, uh, how, uh, you know, really what's happening in terms of the the divide that's growing in the in the church, this chasm that's happening as a result of progressive ideology. Uh, so Marxism, socialism, CRT, you know, L, you know, queer theory, uh, all of this that's really sort of coming at the church for the intention of dividing the vote uh, and, and dividing, you know, the, the 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 people of God. I think the left has realized, if we just talk about this from a from a you know carnal kind of worldly standpoint, the left has realized that they they have to divide the church in order to win elections. Mm-hmm. And so, as long if, if every Christian voted kingdom, the left would never win an election, you know, for the rest of time. But if they can if they can start creating confusion, and so you know they started doing this, you know, even back we could go back probably uh, uh, late eighties, you know, where uh, they they introduced this term called creation care uh, as a way to um, push. Uh, sort of global warming, environmentalist mm. doctrine within the church. Wow. So they started giving money. The le- you know leftist billionaires like Soros and others started giving money to Christian ministries if they would talk about creation care. And so that was that was kind of a, a, a you know a way into the church. The same thing has happened with uh, uh, sort of the, the the abortion pro-life conversation. You're seeing people where um, you know the, the, the you have the left leftist Christians that are all of a sudden using terminology like. Really, to be pro-life is to care about the family for the you know not just before birth, but even after birth as well. And if you're really pro-life, you realize that sometimes you need to be pro-choice in order to be really pro-life. It's a lot of mind yeah. mind gymnastics. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's impressive. I'm not even mad. I mean, that was just impressive how you got there. <laughs> exactly. It's it's it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's just always these gymnastics, you know, verbal gymnastics to try to get to. You know, someplace. I think that they intentionally make this really confusing. Yeah. You know, to to deceive people, and so you know, I dive into a lot of that and kind of work through this. I think that you know, a lot of the the end of the book is really helping Christians be able to sort through, like how what is our response here? This isn't the first time the church has faced persecution, and and I think that you know, probably the thing that's different than me versus maybe a lot of the conservative talking heads that are out there. Although you know, many of these guys are my friends. I do. I'm on stage with them all the time. Uh, I, I really want to help keep us with a with a scripture first with a jesus first mentality as we approach this because i see i see a lot of people on the right that are you know to fight back against the left they're they're wrongly entering into some of the same tactics as the left 
and I think that that's problematic. And mm. so uh, I think that makes me not quite as like snarky and popular sometimes because it's it's you know you get more tweets if you and retweets if you like have some zinger. But I think that <laughs> uh, I, I think that you know balance and, and grace and truth is always the way to go. Yeah. That's good. Uh, tell us about your church that you pastor up in uh, South yeah. Bend. I had the privilege of filling in for you, you did. a few weeks ago. It was awesome, great community. Uh, how's it going up there? Yeah, for, first of all, people still talk about you being up there. there was, <laughs> it was a it was a winner. So we we they, I think they it was the hair. It was the hair. I think so. I think so. <laughs> and so uh, yes, yeah, so we we recently just took over about a thirty thousand square foot building. Um, ironically, and and really, it's not ironic. It's it's kind of just God's you know sense of humor, I think, more than anything. It's the church building I grew up going to church in. And so uh, it was Church of Christ when I grew up, and I ended up kind of, uh, you know, moving away from that denomination. That church eventually closed down in about 2007. Another group came in for a time. We had planted our church about 18 years ago now. We've been bouncing around buildings. This building was scheduled for demolition, and my wife have talked, and I, we've talked about this for years, of wouldn't it be cool to have that corner? Because it's a, it's a prime piece yeah. of real oh, estate yeah. in town. It's right off the toll road, everything. And um, uh, it was scheduled for demolition. And the investor who bought the building, the Lord told him right before like, he demoed it. Like, I li- he literally had a contract for the demolition. And he called the guy and he canceled it. He says, I know this is going to sound crazy, but God told me he's not done with this property and we're going to put it up for lease. We believe there's a church that's supposed to be in it. He didn't know anything about us or anything like that. So he put a sign in. The very first day he put the sign in, I drove by it, saw it, called. We had a deal two days later. And so, um, you know, we've kind of acquired that and everything else. And so it's been an incredible kind of home base for a lot of what we do. And and, uh, we're working on a couple other initiatives and I could probably, uh, I don't know exactly when this is going to release, but I can kind of drip this out. Uh, The big thing that I'm working on right now, I'm calling the American Pastor Project. And so I think this is the first official show I've announced this on. So you just caught me at a good time. Sweet. And so the American Pastor Project is really a way to to help pastors uh, to take a stand against a lot of these major social issues that are facing the church. And I'm asking them to make a commitment to not use, to first of all, to agree to essential Christian doctrines, which I think all of us should be able to agree to, and to not use their pulpit to preach Marxism, socialism, CRT, critical queer theory, uh, um, you know, racism, et cetera, all this sort of stuff. And so uh, my goal is to find, I feel like the Lord laid on my heart that there are 30,000 pastors in America Where that do are going to sign? sign this. It's, we're, <laughs> we're like, in about a week, I'm going to hit you up with okay. a link for that. Yeah. Okay? I was going to say, well, that sounds <laughs> yeah. like we, we got, uh, we got a good one. fit. We got one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Would we be, so you announced it first on this show. I get to be signer number <laughs> we, one. Yeah, who's, <laughs> it's a, who's signed up yet? How about at least the top 10? Okay, okay well, that well, works. Right. Okay, that works. Top 10. And so we're going to be punching, you know, pushing this out pretty heavy here soon. And so, you know, in writing these books, my new book is very much on the, you know, uh, kind of this faith and politics thing. It's really kind of a follow-up to the Christian left. And and uh, I, I just told the Lord, I, I don't want this to, you know, it's great to have a successful book or another successful book, uh, but I really want to do more for the kingdom. And so we've got a lot of resources coming for these pastors. So our hope is once they sign it, they're getting, you know, they're getting books, they're getting, you know, digital resources, they have conference calls available with, you know, experts and speakers and these things. And then my hope is that we have 30,000 signatures from pastors that we can start taking to state and local governments and really leveraging that and saying, look, you're making these decisions. How many constituents do you think are represented amongst these churches that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be talking about what you're doing right now and really be able to provide some leverage against that. We uh we had David Barton yeah uh, on last week yeah. and he was here doing a oh that's awesome uh, luncheon yeah yeah and when he was done and and Chad Chad Connolly and um, when he was done it got a just about twenty minutes I got to be with him alone and we were talking about the state of the church I think he said there was about I think he told me three hundred fifty thousand churches in in America okay and 
And they went down through, they asked six questions about evangelicalism to figure out, are they, are they really biblically you know, aligned? Biblically yes, aligned. Yeah, yeah. And in those six, that really took off 250,000 of the churches. Wow. Only left about 100,000 churches <laughs> left. Okay. And so you're then, saying I've got a chance. <laughs> yeah, so right. Well, then he, then he asked further questions and he, and he uh, he was doing this thing called what the people want to know. Okay. And, well, what, what he was going through is he's saying on these various issues, whether it's abortion, whether it's poverty, whether it's um, you know just just how we deal with you know with what with what is a biblical understanding of gender, all this stuff. He said they want an explanation that they can also articulate, mm. and the percentages were really really high. And, you know, it was all like 75% of these churches were asking. Then he says, okay, on these issues, how many of you as church pastors have a plan or you would be willing <laughs> to address these things? And, and they, would up, be, they would be considered maybe a little bit more, quote unquote, political issues, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, 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 yeah. But we would consider them just hey, biblical. This is, this is our truth. This I mean, this is, this yeah. is where but, we're allowed to talk about this all But in our culture, they would be more labeled like, you know, marriage or abortion or things of that. Well, we'd say, hey, that's biblical. Yes, homosexuality, yes. all those different sure, issues, yeah. right? And it said that only 2.8% of the 100,000 churches would be willing or had a plan to address it. Wow. Isn't that right? crazy? Wow. And and so that's gonna change know, after it, the American Pastor Project. Well <laughs> that's awesome. God, Love it, man. It Especially to, after your two signatures. That's all Thank I'm you. saying, right? <laughs> we'll get we'll get the egg pets flowing. I, I'm excited. So I'm gonna be signature number nine and Nathan's gonna be signature number no, ten. No, what happened there? <laughs> I said, Did. I said I wanted it. Uh, first. Oh wait, okay. Well, all right. No, man. I I just really enjoyed your book. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. Yeah. I really hope that people Where? will take a moment and read it. I listened to it, and uh, it was just, it was stellar. We'll, we'll get you an early PDF of the new one. How about awesome, that? Man. Amazing. I, I, Did you pick awesome. the cover yet for the new one? Uh, so we you sent me like three really well, amazing. No, they they. Uh, it's going to be different than that. Oh, okay, but I've not seen it yet. I'm okay. actually waiting myself. Was it so. too like? Was it too? I, I think it was intense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you you uh, you're doing great stuff. If people want to get your book, where's the best place to get the Christian left? Yeah, yeah. So they can head over to lucasmiles.org or anywhere books are sold, Amazon, etc. If you don't want to give your money to the big box stores, uh, then you can head over to my website and we ship and sign everything that goes out. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Well, Lucas, Thanks, we're guys. excited. The kind of sounds like the conference is getting ready to start here in just a few minutes. So we hope that you have enjoyed this uh, question and a- a- answer time with these amazing students. And I'm telling you what, Nathan, God's doing great things in the next generation, and yeah, it's, it's fun to be a part of I'm it. So, yeah. But well, hey, tune in next time for more great stuff on Jesus, sex, and politics. My name is Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things that culture's going to scare you with. Wait. Wait. That's, you mess that up culture, our minds every I, time. Ah, I forgot. Wow. <laughs> we'll see you next time. 